bathrooms and kitchens. They make up about a quarter of households in the private rented sector in Luton. From today, all landlords renting out these properties in the town will have to have a licence. This should provide proof that the property is safe and properly managed. The council says it's committed to improving the standard of housing in the borough. Councils are making more money through their parking charges, according to research by the RAC Foundation. The local government secretary, Eric Pickle, says authorities must be more lenient towards motorists because shops and residents are suffering. Keith Doyle reports. Around 9 million parking tickets are issued in England a year. The government's own figures forecast that councils' income from parking services, that's car parks and parking fines, is set to rise to £634 million next year. The RAC Foundation has published a list of those councils it says are making huge profits from parking. Westminster is at the top with almost £42 million. Most of the top ten are London boroughs, but Brighton and Hove and Cornwall are also among the top earners. Certain shops in St Albans are displaying stickers on their windows from today to help people with learning difficulties report crimes or incidents. The Keep Safe initiative is to give people reassurance that they have a safe place to go if they get lost or confused. Barry Caffrey reports. People with learning difficulties will carry a Keep Safe card or key ring with important contact numbers on it. Shops signed up to the scheme backed by Hearts Police will display an orange Keep Safe card with phone numbers as well as a leaflet to help people explain what they need. It's hoped this will give people with learning difficulties more confidence to come and shop in St Albans and to feel safe and reassured that if they need help or need to report a crime, they can do so in a safe environment. In sport, it's the start of the third Ashes test between England and Australia at Old Trafford today and an MK Dons 11 beat a Tottenham 11 1-0 in a friendly at Stadium MK. The weather for bedsides and bucks will be misty at first but clearing quickly to become hot and humid Top temperatures around 29 degrees Celsius, 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online, bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, it's Thursday. It's uh, Catherine Boyle. Will you just shut up, please? For goodness' sake, shouted in my ear. Can you just keep the noise down? I'm trying to set the show up, love. Sorry. What are you doing? Getting my microphone a bit closer. But well, there's no need to, because I'm turning you off now. There we go. How rude. How? It's only a couple more days with her. Then normality will resume. Lots coming up in the show this morning. As always, keen to get your thoughts. Policing in Bedfordshire. How should they do it? Helping each other. Shouldn't we just do it? And Justin Dealey, how do we stop him doing that? Man alive, the conversation Justin and I had this morning before the show. Oh dear. If we had that on air, we'd lose the 15% extra listeners we just gained. In your face, heart. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR and give us a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I was very interested in a little chat that JBS was having yesterday about the watershed. The watershed on television 
is, I think, nine o'clock, isn't it? And before that, it's supposed to be family-friendly. After that, you know, kind of anything goes. Not anything, but the, the, the rules are relaxed. And it kind of got me thinking, there's a, an article in The Express today about how there's too much swearing on television. Too much swearing. Shouldn't have any swearing on television at all. I don't agree with that. I think a little bit of swearing, sometimes quite a lot of swearing, can be quite good. I'm a grown adult. And uh, uh, as long as I watch television responsibly and uh, I'm aware when uh, naughty things are coming on, I, I think there should be swearing. Of course there should. Quick question. Do you think there's too much swearing on television? 08459 455 555. Today's show, by the way, is going to require a lot of input from you. Because we'll be talking later on to the new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police... She'll be coming in this morning and uh, answering a few questions. What would you like to put to her? I'm not quite sure what to ask her. Well, I'm joined now by Hob Hock. He's a serving police uh, officer and a member of the County's Police Federation. Joins me now. Morning, Hob. Morning, Ian. What would you like to put to your new boss? Firstly, um, uh, we've obviously got a new boss come to the force. We'd like to ask her about the um, uh, workforce survey, um, how morale is, um, and what she wants to do with regards to morale and how to boost officer morale. How do you feel morale is uh, when you're dealing with your colleagues? At the moment, it's not great. Uh, Morale is at an all-time low. The cuts in policing numbers uh, um, due to the comprehensive uh, policing uh, uh, review, the budgets are being cut. We're thin as thin can be on the front line at certain times. So um, officers are doing the best they can with um, hardly any recruitment going on and we've got a limited number of officers um, so morale's not great and what are people saying to you hob what's kind of uh, the, the conversation happening in the canteen uh, generally um uh, Ian, uh, morale obviously is one of our key um, key things that we need we need to recruit um uh, we need our budget um our budget has obviously been slashed um, mm. and as a result um, policing is thin we've got a limited number of officers um, and obviously we're trying to attend every instant we can, which we do. We are the last port of call of help for the public. Yeah, it's a tricky situation that, 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 that she's in, isn't it? In as much as um, cuts have to be made, don't they? That, that, that money does have to be saved, um, and I, I suppose you are going to face and cuts on the front line. Um, uh, Ian, Bedfordshire Police is one of the forces that has made the most amount of um, savings. We are one of the smallest forces in the country. Um, I don't think we can cut anymore. We've cut as much as we can, and the front line cannot get any thinner. Uh, you're on the front line patrolling the streets, Hob, and uh, in Luton recently, it's been pretty tough. A lot of gun crime, a lot of arrests have been made, so, so well done for that. But, but how challenging is it at the moment? It's a challenging time. Um, I am a frontline operational sergeant based at Luton. I've been there for seven years. Um, it's the best job going, um, and I wouldn't, you know, do anything differently. I would say it's the best thing um, that's uh, uh, the best role that's available to a police officer in uniformed role. It's a challenging role, but we go there to serve the public day in day out. It's a job that I love doing, um, a job that I'll never change. So even through tough times, because we want to serve the public, we are there. Um, as an official public servant, we will do the best we can. Are you um, concerned that with these cuts, and uh, that the poli- uh, public safety might be at risk? Um, I wouldn't say public safety, or we um, are at risk, but it could compromise. Sometimes we have to risk assess every job we attend, and we sometimes have to wait for backup. But that might be a minute delay or two, um, but it's something, obviously... Due to the budget cuts, we've lost um, nearly 98 officers as a result of um, 
of these cuts. So you, this includes the compulsory redundancies, doesn't it? it? Does, yes. For officers more, with more than 30 years' service. Um, the 30 years' service is the A19 process, um, a regulation that's been invoked, um, which is obviously with officers with 30 years' service, but those 30 years' um, officers with 30 years' service plus are the, well, some of the most experienced officers. Well, this is the thing that, that strikes me. It seems odd... To, to um, have compulsory redundancies for those coppers that have been doing it for the longest because they've got the nous, they've got the common sense and the understanding of how these things work. Why are we getting rid of the most experienced people? Um, it all comes down to, at the end of the day, our drastic budget cuts, the comprehensive reviewing, um, reviewing um, that's taken place, and uh, numbers have been lost, obviously, um, to these um, cuts. And it's a national problem, not just a Bedfordshire problem. Um, but as I said, we've got to protect our most vulnerable and sometimes our most inexperienced on the front line. Uh, Colette Paul's been in uh, the job for a month now. What's your opinion on her, on her first four weeks? Um, I've not personally had the opportunity to meet her, but everything that I've seen on the, our force intranet, I've liked. Um, I spoke to an officer, that had, um, an inspector, a fellow Federation colleague um, that had retired this week, um, and he said she was a lovely person and he likes um, her new ethos that she's bought. So hopefully everything that I've seen on the internet um, is speaking good terms at the minute. Hop, listen, nice to talk to you. Thank you very much uh, indeed. Hop Hock, serving police officer, member of the County's Police Federation. Well, Colette Paul, uh, the new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police, will be in the studio a little bit later on. If you've got a question for her, or a complaint, we just want to say hello. 08459 455555. I know what I'm going to challenge her on. I've s- listen, you have to follow uh, Bedfordshire Police on Twitter. Have you been... Oh, you're not on Twitter, are you, Catherine? It is the most ridiculous waste of time ever. I tell you what, while I'm playing this next song, I'll get up Bed's Police Twitter feed. The advice... Don't forget to lock your doors. Okay, guys, thanks that they did a brilliant one yesterday about kids. I'll find it and I'll read it after this. Hey, who wants to hear Mama Cass singing a song about Jesus? Me? Let's have it, shall we? trusted a stranger cause I heard his sweet song and it was gently enticing me though there was there was something wrong but when I turned he was gone blinding me his song remains reminding me
Elliot, that literally no one bought. Why not? It's a masterpiece. So, uh, Colette Paul, the uh, new Bedfordshire Chief of Police, coming on later on. I am going to have to pick her up on the Bedfordshire Police Twitter feed. It At Beds Police. It's incredible. Here's some of their tweets. Often, children take alcohol from home without parents' knowledge. Keep alcohol in a safe place and keep a check on how much you have. Hashtag stay safe. Okay, guys. Thanks. Another one. Young people are also often the victims of crime. Hashtag stay safe. Thanks, guys. Sometimes kids don't think about their actions. Ask them whether they could be causing distress to others or putting themselves in danger before they stab you. Doesn't say the stab bit. I'll put that bit in there. When out and about, don't walk alone in isolated areas. Walk with friends. What if you haven't got any friends? For goodness sakes. During the holidays, when out and about, be aware of your surroundings. Hashtag stay safe. It is just the most ridiculous. Going to a cash point. (laughs) This is brilliant. This is the Bedfordshire Police advice, okay? Someone has bothered to tweet this. Going to a cash point. Go in daylight and be aware of who is around you. What if I need money at night time? When out and about, don't advertise your valuables. Keep them in a pocket or handbag or out of sight. Fantastic. We'll have more of those a bit later on. 08459 455555. Right. 615, James Wally, here's the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. The uh, motorway's looking okay at the moment across the three counties. Just had a check on the M1. Certainly busy, but at least moving 9 to 8 approaching Hemel. Uh, M4C and the M25 on camera uh, running very well. Virgin trains to and from Manchester running with delays of 20 minutes, all because of uh, vandalism, we're told, up at Stockport. So trains to and from Manchester on Virgin, 20-minute delays currently. No other problems reported for trains, uh, on the trains, rather, across the three counties. I'm James Worley, BBC Three Counties Radio. James, thank you very much indeed. Right, 6.16, it's Thursday the 1st of August. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow. I haven't got anything yet. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Unions are urging the government to help Wolverton-based rail care, which has been forced into administration. New rules come into force across Luton today to stop landlords renting unsafe properties. And it's the start of the third Ashes Test between England and Australia at Old Trafford later on this morning. Weather, misty at first, but turning hot and humid. Coming up, we'll talk more about the changes in property law in Luton. The reason I hesitated there is because rules are coming into force in Luton today to stop landlords renting unsafe properties. You mean there aren't rules in force already to stop landlords renting unsafe properties? Well, this morning... 
want your stories on this. What's the worst property you've ever lived in? As a student and then signing on for many, many years in North London, I've lived in some complete and utter holes. Awful, awful places. We did a moonlight flip one night, me and my friend, we just did a runner. We were so scared what was going to happen. What's the worst property you've ever lived in? 08459 455 555. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. Round the wicket bowls and there's an appeal flag before wicket and Moreira's has given him out and England win the match. It's all over. Australia out for 235. It's a test of pride. We call it the Ashes. England versus Australia. The third test. Every single ball, wherever you are. Home of the Ashes on the radio is Test Match Special. It starts this morning from 10.30. Full live coverage across the BBC. Go to bbc.co.uk slash cricket to find out more.
recorded that now. Uh, what's the worst place? I am. What's the worst place you've ever lived in? I've lived in some stinkers, being a student and then um, living in North London, kind of signing on a little bit. I signed on for a bit. I have no, uh, make no bones about that. What's the worst place you've ever lived in? Uh, 08459 455 555. Well, from today, all rented property in Luton will be of the highest standard with soft, fitted carpets, state-of-the-art kitchens and heating that doesn't go bang, crash in the middle of the night. Not really, but the council is bringing in some new rules aimed at stopping landlords renting out hovels. Owners of all multiple occupancy homes, which make up a quarter of those rented in the borough, will now have to have a licence. Well, Tom Shaw is the councillor in charge of housing and joins me now. Morning, Tom. Morning, Liam. Tom, what kind of property are we talking about here? Well, at the moment, at the, at the moment there's a licensing scheme for any properties, what are modern piece stories but I've got more than five occupants in what aren't one family. From today, it's basically any any property that's got more than three-storey, uh, but with any number of people in them, what aren't a family, which are crass, you know, they want separate bedrooms, but shared kitchens. We want to make sure they've got fire doors on, they've got proper eating systems, that kind of stuff. If not, they'll be... You know, we'll take action again. So, hang on, there are... Pro- I-, I thought that fire doors was a legal requirement. Oh, uh, fire doors are certainly a legal requirement, but you'd be surprised how many HMOs haven't got them. Last year, alone in Luton, there was one landlord found £54,000 because a property, when we found out about it and went in and inspected it, was in such bad condition. So then what's what's changing then, Tom? If If, if things like this are already illegal... Uh, what what are these new rules that are coming in? We're actually, before, we had to wait till a complaint came in and everything else. But right. now, the new rules from today are, we'll go out and inspect properties. What we know or suspect are being used as HMOs actually say, you've got to do this. If you don't do it, we are going to take you to court. Today, it's become legal for us to be able to register all those properties and register them for a standard which we feel is acceptable. And so how, how is that going to work then, Tom? Have, have you got a team of people, maybe possibly even yourself, who will be going out and knocking on doors and saying, hello, we're from the council, can we have a look, please? Uh, we've got a team of officers, which we already know where quite a few of these pe- uh, properties are, we, we suspect. Right. There's 2,000 in the borough. Blimey. What you've got to remember is the rules have changed on housing benefit, where before it was, uh, if you've got 25 years of age and HMO, uh, you could... Ukraine benefit, but now they've changed up to, with the new benefit changes, anyone under 35 years of age which is a fine for housing benefit will only get housing benefit if they're in a shared property. So any, you know, anyone that's in a shared property that's on housing benefit, we're going to get that address through the benefit system now as well. How does it work being a landlord of these types of properties, Tom? Is there, is there a licensing system or, or can anybody just go out and do it? Anybody can go out and do it, but what we're saying is you've got to do it to this standard, and from today we'll be able to enforce that standard. Uh, and you'll be setting out fines and things, will you? So if they don't cooperate with us, uh, the fine legally can be up to twenty thousand uh, pounds. The licences that people need, the, the, the people have to pay for these, don't they? Yes. Yeah, they'll pay for the inspection and everything else. Is but the licence only works out £70 a year and you'll get it for five years. Oh, hang on, so the, the landlord will have to pay for the inspection. How much will that cost? So, well, that's what I just said. It'll cost him £70 a year. Right. But, and the licence will last up to five years. Right. Uh, but if we don't get the standard... All you've got to remember is 
it's only a year before last that the family got killed in Milton Keynes. Yeah, of course. In an HMO, what the council didn't know a thing about. So we're actually going out and actively going to find these HMOs and make sure to meet the standards we want and the fire brigade want. Not possible to find them all, though, is it? If, if someone's doing it secretly, cash in hand, then you're not going to find yeah. that, are you? Well, as soon as those people apply for benefits, if they haven't registered, we'll go around and inspect the property. If it doesn't meet the standards, we will take them to court. How, what can tenants do, Tom? How can tenants know if, if the property is, is properly licensed or not? Uh, the licence will be uh, will have to be displayed in the property, but it's a lot of it is basic standards, like making sure you've got hot and cold water, making sure your eating works, uh, making sure the fire doors are there, making sure there's fire extinguishers or smoke alarms in the property. If they're not, just get in touch with the council, uh, we'll come round and do an inspection. Tom, nice to talk to you bright and early in the morning. Thank you. Tom Shaw, councillor uh, in charge of housing. We've all lived in some stinkers of places, haven't we? Haven't we? What's the worst place you've ever lived in? Maybe it was dirty. The worst place I lived in was in North London, uh, in a manor house. Uh, not necessarily the best. Well, there's some quite nice areas around there, actually. But our landlord was such a dodgepot. He claimed... I don't know how much I can say without him finding where I live and beating me up. That's what I'm worried about. He claimed he was friends with Brad Pitt. And we used to um, pay... Uh, this was me and my friend Mackenzie Crick years ago. Uh, we used to pay his wife our rent. And then one day he turned up all sad and sullen. Uh, sorry, lads. I've um, got some bad news. My wife's died. So could you pay me your rent monthly in cash? <laughs> OK, yeah! Worst place you've lived in, please. 08459 455 555. Three Counties Radio, the worst places you've ever lived in. And is there too much swearing on TV? Dare I say something vaguely controversial? I don't think there's enough swearing on TV. It doesn't represent real life. If you went to a pub in the East End, they'd be effing and jeffing all over the shop. The campaign to get more swearing on TV starts here. 08459 455 555. Coming up to 6.30, let's get the travel. Here's James Worley. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Thanks, Ian. The roads aren't bad at all this morning. No accidents or incidents reported across the three counties and no problems from what I can see at the moment on the cameras or the sensors on motorways as well as uh, major A roads. Virgin trains are reporting delays though to and from Manchester. It's because of uh, problems with vandalism overnight at Stockport. So trains to and from Manchester running with delays. No other problems reported for trains uh, that head through the three counties this morning. I'm James Woolley, BBC Three Counties Radio. James, thank you very much. That's uh, 6.30. Time for the news and sport now with Agnew. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past six. The headlines. The Police Federation is urging the new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police to help protect frontline services. Colette Paul is speaking to BBC Three Counties Radio for the first time this morning, a month after starting the job. Unions are urging the government to help a rail company in Milton Keynes which has gone into administration. More than 200 workers who repair trains at Railcare in Wolverton face losing their jobs. New rules come into force in Luton today to stop landlords renting out unsuitable or unsafe properties. People renting out homes of multiple occupancy will need a licence. The weather will be misty at first but clearing quickly to become hot and humid. Top temperatures around 29 degrees Celsius, that's 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cricket first and Kevin Peterson faces a late fitness test ahead of today's third Ashes test with Australia. Captain Alistair Cook rates his chances of playing as pretty good, but it remains to be seen if he'll make the start of play. Our cricket correspondent Jonathan Agnew has the latest. Alistair Cook is optimistic that Peterson will be fit to line up today, although he'll need a fitness test first. And his inclusion would only strengthen England's position as firm favourites to win the game. It will be their fifth consecutive victory against Australia, the first time that winning sequence has been achieved for 125 years. Despite the rain, the pitch will be dry and likely to take spin, but that still makes Panasar's return unlikely, while the makeup of Australia's team is pure guesswork. Where will Clark bat? Will the errant Warner return? And can Watson continue to open? And who will bowl England out, even if Australia do post a decent score? In football, an MK Dons 11 beat a Tottenham 11 1-0 in a friendly at Stadium MK with a first-half goal from 16-year-old Giorgio Rizzullo. The Real Madrid coach Carlo Ancelotti has indicated for the first time that his club are in talks to sign Tottenham star Gareth Bale. Stoke City chairman Peter Coates says dealing with Spurs chairman Daniel Levy can be an interesting experience. Very difficult because he's very good at it. He's, 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 he's a... He's a very clever, bright man and knows what he's doing and has a good, has a good feel for things. He's a very skilled negotiator. The Olympic champions Chad Leclerc and Missy Franklin added to the titles they won in London with victory at the World Swimming Championships in Barcelona last night. Britain's Gemma Lowe was unable to win through to the final of the 200 metres butterfly, but she remains optimistic. Seems his best, so it's all right, but this year has been a tough year after the Olympics last year. I had a good year last year for me. I made the final Olympics, that was good. Just haven't got it this year, and hopefully I'll just get better and better as the years go on to Rio. And finally, Jessica Ennis-Hill says she's gutted to miss out on the World Athletic championships. The Olympic heptathlon hasn't recovered from an Achilles injury that's been hampering her since London 2012. BBC Three Counties News and Sport, more at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, 
that's what I'm talking about. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to get your help with this morning. I do want to know the worst places you've ever lived in. Maybe it was dirty. Maybe it was you were sharing with people that were just awful. I, um, I mean, obviously I share with my wife and children. But uh, I can't imagine the hell of going back to sharing a house with strangers, which I have done, or even with friends. Imagine living with friends, because it seems like such a good idea. Like, you got Steve, and you got Simon, and you got Darren. It's all like, hey, if we get a house together, it will be the coolest thing ever. We can stay up all night watching Jackie Chan films, and then we can play Xbox, and then it'll be just so much fun. Two months into that, you want to kill each other. You have fallen out with your best friends. Because the things you like about them, when you see them for a few hours every other day, are the things that you then grow to hate. Oh, so Simon doesn't do the washing up. Darren leaves the fridge door. It's awful! The worst place you've lived in, please. We'll speak to Catherine Boyle later on, who's producing this show. And I use that term uh, in inverted commas and in italics and in lowercase. Uh, to find out hers. I bet she's got some stories, hey, lads? 08459, I don't know what that means. 08459, 455, 555. Worst place you've lived in. And also, uh, JVS talked about the watershed yesterday. I kind of want to take it a little bit uh, different direction. Swearing on television. There's been quite a lot about this uh, in the papers recently. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to find the Express. Where's my Express? Gone? There it is. And um, someone has uh, written a column saying there's too much swearing uh, on television. Too much swearing. It's not clever, it's not funny, it's not good. Jan Etherington, comedy writer, I'm not quite sure what she's written, but we'll Google that and find out. It's not clever or funny to use foul language on TV. Au contraire, au contraire. We all know, and uh, this isn't an invitation to phone up and use bad language, we all know that a well-timed F-word in a conversation... Suddenly, if you just get that timing right, it elevates it to... It it adds emphasis, it adds humour, it adds a touch of humanity to it, doesn't it? Not enough swearing on TV. There should be more swearing on TV. 08459 455 555. Also, in about an an hour's time, um, what did she write? ITV's second thought. What on earth is that? A next of kin. Oh, for goodness sakes. Uh, about an hour's time, I'm going to be talking to the new Chief Constable for Bedfordshire, Colette Paul. Uh, we've been asking her for a chat since she was given the job a month ago. She's in for a full half an hour, a whole 30 minutes, OK? The boss is listening. I don't want to blow this. This could be my step up towards BBC Radio 5 Live. You never know if Victoria Derbyshire takes some time off. I might get that gig. But... I'm not quite sure what to ask her. Have you got any questions for the new Chief Constable for Bedfordshire, Colette Paul? If you have, do uh, give me a call. 08459 455 555. You can either tell us what they are, or you can put them to her uh, live if you want to. Well, Justin Dealey is out and about. Justin, where are you, and who have you got with you? Ian, this is your big day. This do is it. Do not blow it, my mm, friend. Oh, man, the pressure's on. No pressure at all. Um, I'm live in Luton. I'm with uh, Shazad Kadam. Now, Shazad runs a convenience store in the high town area of Luton, which has had uh, a major problem with prostitution for years. Shazette, thank you very much indeed for your time. You're live across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. We have spoken about Hightown quite a bit, but for anybody who knows nothing about this area, can you just describe it for us? Well, as I've said before, you know, you're you're living and always in constant fear of not knowing what's going to happen next, you know, who's going to walk in through that door, you know, and the the environmental side of it, you know, the the litter, 
what you find and what some people have to go through on a daily basis outside their doorstep is, is you know... I mean, you're linking that to prostitution, aren't you? So, again, we, we have got some young ears listening, I'm sure. Try and keep this as clean as you can, but what sort of things are people finding outside their front door? Well, you know, used condoms, uh, paraphernalia, you know, drugs paraphernalia, rubber gloves, tissues, you know, these sort of things associated with prostitution. Mm. These are the sort of things which are being found on a daily basis outside people's front doors. And, you know, the, and the noise and everything else and language which is, you know, which some of these prostitutes are using you know, some people, you know, haven't had a decent night's sleep in quite a long time. Incredible what you're saying. So, you started a petition uh, with other people here. You want prostitution taken away from this area. Effectively, you want your life back. Now, because you've done that, you've been targeted yourself. Uh, tell us what happened to you. Well, I, I came um, just over a week and a half ago. I came in the morning and to find... Uh, some criminal damage done on my shop um, you know a lot of graffiti was put with allegations and you know it, it was it was something to sort of target me to try to you know take me you know stop me doing what I'm doing which which isn't gonna stop me doing what I'm doing Are you uh, not scared though because you're standing up for the local community here you're trying to do something about this everyone knows who you are that they know where you work they know where your shop is are you not scared there's, there's no reason to be scared, you know, uh, if I don't stand up for my, you know, for the community and myself, no one else is, you know, the authorities haven't been doing that for the last 30 years and, you know, people like myself have been victims for the last 30 years and we've had enough. Okay, a couple of final questions for you. Uh, the local council and the local police, they think they can move prostitution away from this area within five years. That's their target. Do you believe that target? Is that going to work? Well, you know, originally just getting them to agree it, you know, was, was a good sign. But, you know, as this last month has gone by, you know, I'm a bit sceptical now and I'm, I'm not too sure. You know, I think it's, you know, I'm a bit concerned. They saw words, you know, and um, they've, they're saying things which they've done they've said before they promised things and I'm concerned that this is all just going to be words okay and lastly we have got the chief constable of Bedfordshire police coming into the studio live at 7:30 with Ian Lee what is your question well I want to know you know how or who is going to monitor this to keep it on track and obviously when there are multiple agencies getting together it's, there's always a danger. Now I want to know who's going to be accountable and where the buck stops. What is Colette Paul going to do to personally, personally ensure that those involved keep to their objectives to make sure that prostitution is eradicated from Luton, not only from Hightown, from Luton within five years. We should put that question to her later on. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Looking very cool today, by the way. The sunglasses, the hat. This is the the, the cool new Shazad, isn't it? Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm a bit uh, hopeful. Maybe you know, we can get uh, High Town back to its glory days, and you know, uh, maybe you know, with Colette Paul and new 
Chief Constable coming in, maybe she can bring some of that Welsh, you know, sunshine uh, into Luton. <laughs> Thank you very much. Take care. That was uh, Shazad Kadam there joining us live at the High Town area in Luton, just behind the train station. Uh, been all sorts of problems here, and I've mentioned to you before, Ian, that, yeah. that at this time of the morning, it hasn't happened today, but, but at this time of the morning in particular when I'm here, I'm in a branded vehicle, and that still doesn't stop the prostitutes coming up to me and offering me sex. That has happened to me probably, what, three times in the last year, and I'm in a branded BBC vehicle. You're also a very good-looking man, Justin. <laughs> I don't have to pay for it. Thank you. Justin Dealey, thank you very much. What? Justin Dealey, thank you very much indeed. Well, if you've got a question for Colette Paul, do give us a call now, 08459 455 555 or facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Some people don't like the... I always feel sorry for people who don't like the Beatles. It's like there's a huge hole in your life that is John Paul George and indeed Ringo-shaped. 
08459 455 555. We should have more swearing on TV. And what's the worst place you've ever lived in? 645 Travel Now. Here's James Worley. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. Well, no reported accidents or incidents across the three counties. Uh, just keep an eye on the motorway cameras. The M25 moving well at the moment through the roadworks between 23 and 25. No significant delays being flagged up on the speed sensors. M1 cameras uh, aren't showing me any problems this morning. Uh, much the same for the M40 and the A1M. Quite busy already on the approach to the uh, uh, M25 uh, Brickywood roundabouts at the moment. Uh, Park Street seems fine. Uh, trains, well, looking good through the three counties, but if you're heading to Manchester, Virgin reporting disruption and delays uh, via Stoke, oh, sorry, via uh, uh, crew uh, up to Manchester it's because of vandalism at Stockport so uh, problems uh, for trains into Manchester on Virgin via Stockport because of vandalism overnight I'm James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio Thank you very much James 6.46, it's Thursday the 1st of August, I'm Ian Lee These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio The Police Federation is urging the new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police to help protect frontline services Unions want the government to help Wolverton-based rail care which has been forced into administration And it's the start of the third ashes test between England and Australia at Old Trafford today Coming up, St Albans has signed up to a new initiative designed to help people with learning difficulties keep safe in the city centre. We'll find out more before seven, but right now, let's get the latest weather. Here's Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you, Ian. Good morning to you, Elizabeth. Good morning. I, I, I might see you later on today. Will you? I, oh, I'm going to look out for you. Today. Could you say that, but not in a de- depressed, disappointed voice? No, I'm oh. always happy to see you, Ian. It's just that I'm wandering around in an absolute oh. haze by the oh. time I get to... By the time so what you're saying is you, you're not that bothered, you won't be saying hello, and if you do, it'll just be because I've spotted you first. <laughs> no, that is not true. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled How for you. very, very I saw rude. you on the telly the other day. I was like, that's a young Yeah, I used to know that guy. He used to be famous back <laughs> yeah. in the late 90s. Elizabeth, <laughs> let's have the weather, please, before we start crying. Now. OK, all right, here we go then. So it's, um, it's going to be hot, dry and sunny, actually, today. A bit of a one-day weather wonder across the three counties, by, because by the time we get to tomorrow, then then it will all be over but there'll be lots of sunshine around feeling really very hot as well we could be looking at temperatures up to 30 31 degrees celsius across many of our towns so um yeah you want to prepare for the heat today should be dry uh, lots of sunshine around bit of fair weather cloud into the afternoon and a noticeable southerly breeze a very warm breeze so might be like standing in front of a hairdryer or something i don't know um but then into tonight a very muggy warm night temperatures dropping no lower than say 18 or 19 degrees in the town so it could be quite uncomfortable to sleep in again and by the time we get to tomorrow morning we've got some low cloud around some rather misty conditions around the Chilterns at SA possibly a few outbreaks of rain into the morning and again some showers into the afternoon bit of sunshine around at times but temperatures will have dropped by possibly as much as sort of eight to nine degrees so it is going to feel much cooler tomorrow and temperatures sticking in the mid to well low to mid 20s really through the weekend sunshine and showers so today yeah bit of a bit of a one day weather wonder I've said that twice now haven't I but there we go nice bit of alliteration it's not going to last tomorrow's oh you're unravelling live on air we've all done it we've all done it but but at at 10 to 7 you've got a long day ahead of you Elizabeth that's not a good sign (laughs) thanks Ian see you later go and have a Red Bull and I'll speak to you later on cheers ta-ta 08459 455 555 
Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you Great guests Julian Clary Welcome to BBC Three Counties Radio Legendary Genesis guitarist Steve Hackett Supertramp frontman Roger Hodgson Carol Decker of Tapau fame joins me now Great conversations China in Your Hand is about the fragility of your dreams and that you should be careful what you wish for Something very addictive about making people laugh is standing on stage and every few seconds getting that hit of a, of a laugh Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Have a band really done a song called Walks Like Rihanna? They have. Sounds like this. Oh, catchy. Have you seen that girl? Have you seen her? She's the freakiest thing. You gotta meet her. You do whatever it takes to get her by your side. Three Counties Radio. She walks like 
Now, St Albans has signed up to a new initiative designed to help people with learning difficulties keep safe in the city centre. From now on, they'll be given a special card and a key ring, so if they get lost or feel threatened, they can head for shops with a matching sticker in the window. Well, Joe Davis is from Mencap, joins me now. Uh, Joe, is this, how will this work exactly? Well, basically, um, there are lots of these kind of schemes popping up all over England, um, and they, they all work in slightly different ways. But the main idea is that when people with a learning disability are out and about in town, shopping in pubs, in restaurants, whatever they might be doing, if they feel unsafe or they feel threatened, um, because sadly we know that as many as 9 in 10 people with a learning disability have been victims of hate crime, and for many this happens How many, public. sorry? Nine in ten. From a, from a survey that Mencap did, um, it, it's a few mm. years ago now. Yeah, so it's a, and it's what a shocking, kind of hate crime? Yeah, well, it's incredible. What, what kind of hate crimes are they experiencing? Well, it, it varies. Anything from verbal abuse mm. and, and feeling kind of being being laughed at, being taunted, to physical attacks and and much worse. Um, so it is a, it's a big, big problem. And so we really welcome initiatives like this, which are kind of proactively trying to keep people safer. I'm shocked by those statistics. I find that incredible that someone will go yeah. and beat someone up or have a laugh at them and point at them just because they are slightly different. That seems uh, ridiculous. Well, I was going to ask, why is a scheme like this so important? But that, that kind of makes it clear. Do we know how many shops uh, have taken this up? Um, in St Albans. In St Albans. Yeah. I, I think it's something around sort of 16, 17 businesses okay. and shops in the area. So, you know, these things always, it, it, it will grow. More shops see it working um and of course it isn't something which every single person with a learning disability is going to feel the need to have the card or but it's it's about choice and if people want to um, and and i think it's good that people know that that's there that's an option and have the people in the shops have they received special training or or, or, how are they being uh, helped to cope with with what may potentially happen well, I'm not, I'm not sure about um, particularly in St Albans and, and this particular scheme, but usually what's happened elsewhere is that the police or whoever it is that's setting up this scheme um, will kind of work with people, the staff in the shops, to let them know what they can do. So it may just be a case of, you know, if, if the person comes in with the card, let them use your phone if they need to phone somebody. If something more serious has happened, phone the police. Mm. Um, so that, And I think, you know, anyone would probably appreciate knowing that there's somewhere they can go if they're out and about and they feel unsafe or they feel threatened. But I think for people with a learning disability who can be in more vulnerable situations, it's especially important. Joe Davis, thank you very much. Campaigns and Policy Officer with uh, Mencap. Martin McPhee is from St Albans as a carer for his daughter who has learning difficulties. Martin, what do you make of, uh, of, of this scheme? Good morning. Uh, I think it's an excellent scheme. Uh, I'm also chairman of St. Albans Mencap, so I have quite a wide experience of learning disability in St. Albans area. Um, This project is part of a wider project across Hertfordshire, so it's happening in a number of centres across Hertfordshire. And what it provides is a safe and understanding reference point uh, that's able to speak clearly and at a pace and in a language that's comprehensible to those with a learning disability. So it gives them a point of safety in the city and other places in Hertfordshire. And it's an excellent initiative. The statistic Uh, of... joins us with the police, who we've worked closely with for many years. They're on the street every day, uh, so they see what's going on in the street. Uh, They speak to the shopkeepers, you know, on a regular basis... So that makes a very good link for, for everyone. We heard there from, uh, from Joe the uh, statistic that 90% of people with learning difficulties have encountered some form of, uh, of abuse, be it verbal or, or, or physical. Has your daughter encountered anything like that? No, she 
hasn't because she is so disabled that right. uh, on the whole she has to always be in the presence of right. another able adult. But as, as, as but someone who works with MenCap, have you you've the heard this? We work with have. So you, you, you've heard stories of this happening then? Yes, we would hear stories almost every week of it. Uh, we've heard there are about 16 shops in St Albans that have taken this up. Do we know how many um, families or, or people with learning difficulties have uh, taken this up themselves and have got the card and the key ring? It's only just recently started in St Albans. It's just launched. So 16 is the beginning of it. And we would hope that there would be a multiple of that 16 in due course. So it's kind of inappropriate to say at this stage how many are involved. We would hope that most learning disabled families uh, in the district will know about this within sort of six months or a year. And is there a website, Martin, if people uh, want to get involved or have a look closer at this? Uh, All the main cat societies in Hertfordshire have websites, or almost all of them, certainly. So if you look up either through Royal Maincap, who have a listing of them, uh, through their website, all the local websites like St Albans Mencap. But website. just to clarify, it, it, it's not a Mencap scheme, is it? But Mencap are supporting it. It's not a Mencap scheme as such, but we're certainly a, 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 an active partner in it. Excellent stuff. Martin, thank you very much. Martin McPhee from St Albans. I'm shocked by those statistics. It does seem, um, it seems incredible, doesn't it? If you want to give us a call about that or anything else, then please do. Don't forget, at uh, half past seven, we're going to be joined by Colette Paul, the uh, police... Uh, um, what's, 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 I've forgotten her title. How embarrassing. The Chief Constable. Thank goodness for that. Don't let me forget that when she comes in. I'll be in terrible trouble. If you want to ask her a question, 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a check on the M25. Anti-clockwise usual build-up now. 26 Waltham Abbey round to 25 Enfield into the roadworks. Also building up 21 to 20 anti-clockwise and uh, heavy 17 to 16 approaching the M40. Just getting word of an accident on the northbound M40 over up in Oxfordshire. It's between 6 Watlington and Junction 7 Fortain. We understand two lorries are involved. Uh, some uh, patchy mist and fog on the northbound M40 north of Stoke and Church. I can see on camera. And Virgin trains to and from Manchester disrupted because of vandalism over night at Stockport. I'm James Wally, BBC Three Counters Radio. James, thank you very much indeed. There's a call in the Express to have less swearing on television. According to the article, there is too much swearing on television. I disagree. I don't think there's enough swearing on television. I think we need more. If television is supposed to represent society, we should have some more swearing, shouldn't we? Hard to disagree. 08459 455 555. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Liak. New the headlines. New Chief Constable tackles police cuts in Bedfordshire. Wolverton Train Company goes into administration and new rules to improve rented homes in Luton. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Police Federation is urging the new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police to help protect frontline services. Colette Paul is speaking to BBC Three Counties Radio for the first time this morning, a month after starting the job. Hob Hock from Bedfordshire Police Federation says it's been a challenging time for the force. It all comes down to, at the end of the day, our drastic budget cuts, the comprehensive review that's taken place, and our numbers have been lost, obviously, and it's a national problem, not just a Bedfordshire problem. Um, We've got to protect our most vulnerable and sometimes our most inexperienced on the front line. 
Unions are urging the government to help a rail company in Milton Keynes which has gone into administration. More than 200 workers who repair trains at rail care in Wolverton face losing their jobs. Bob Crow from the RMT union says the company needs help paying its wages after a takeover fell through. We believe that even the government could give a loan, just a loan, asking for uh, an injection, just a loan, to keep the thing ticking over. Because once this uh, factory is gone, it's gone for good. Uh, and, you know, we've been producing, maintaining trains at Walgan for the last 150 years. New rules come into force in Luton today to stop landlords renting out unsuitable or unsafe properties. People renting out homes of multiple occupancy will need a licence. Tom Shaw, the Labour councillor responsible for housing at Luton Borough Council, says they know that some landlords have been flouting the law. Before, we had to wait till a complaint came in and everything else. The new rules from today are we'll go out and inspect properties. What we know or suspect are being used as HMOs actually say, you've got to do this. If you don't do it, we are going to take you to call. Certain shops in St Albans are displaying stickers on their windows from today to help people with learning difficulties. The Keep Safe initiative is to give people reassurance they have a safe place to go if they get lost or confused. Barry Caffrey reports. People with learning difficulties will carry a Keep Safe card or key ring with important contact numbers on it. Shops signed up to the scheme backed by Hearts Police will display an orange Keep Safe card with phone numbers as well as a leaflet to help people explain what they need. It's hoped this will give people with learning difficulties more confidence to come and shop in St Albans and to feel safe and reassured that if they need help or need to report a crime, they can do so in a safe environment. In sport, it's the start of the third Ashes test between England and Australia at Old Trafford later this morning. And an MK Dons 11 beat a Tottenham 11 1-0 in a friendly at Stadium MK. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks will be misty at first this morning, but turning hot and humid. Top temperatures around 29 degrees Celsius, 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, we have a busy show this morning. Action packed, some might say. Not everybody, but some might indeed say it. Uh, need lots of help this morning from you. Policing in Bedfordshire, how should they do it? Helping each other, why don't we just do it? And Justin Dealey, can we stop him doing it? 08459-455-555 Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR and send me a text 81333 Start your text 3CR Across beds, hearts and bucks This is BBC Three Counties Radio uh, we're, also, we're talking about housing as well in, uh, in Luton I want to know the worst place you've ever lived in We've all lived in horrible shared flats and uh, the first time you move out of home uh, away from your parents and you get somewhere it, it, even if it's grotty and horrible you kind of think oh this is fantastic oh this is it i'm living the rats above a chip my, my sister she went to university in hull and she lived above a chip shop she really thought she was living the dream but everything everything stank of chips she had to pretty much get rid of all her clothes when she moved out because everything stank of chips and i've shared with um uh, some characters, I think it's probably politest to say. The worst properties you've ever lived in, please. 08459 455 555. And as the Daily Express calls for less swearing on television, I say, no, 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 no. 
If television is supposed to represent society, it's supposed to be a realistic window into the world in which we live, then we should have more swearing. Not at three o'clock in the afternoon. I don't want doctors to be effing and jeffing. You know, doctors is a gentle, um, light soap that I auditioned for. This is how bad I am at acting. I didn't get a part on doctors. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but after nine o'clock, yeah, come on, let's open the swear floodgates. Of course we should. So we all do it. There is not one person listening to this show right now, not one, who hasn't at some point, point dropped an F or a Jeff. At some point, you have. We all do it. It can be powerful. It can be funny. It can uh, indicate someone's anger and fury. It's a great tool. They're only words. Sticks and stones and all that. 08459 455 555. You're a fool if you don't think we should have more swearing on television. Now, coming up in about 25 minutes' time, I'll be speaking to the new Chief Constable for Bedfordshire, Colette Paul. She's been in the post a month, so she must have got everything sorted by now. Four weeks is plenty of time, isn't it? I'm teasing, of course, but uh, she's going to be here for half an hour. And uh, I'm keen to get your views and your comments and your questions and your suggestions put to her. Lots of you have been uh, posting on the Facebook page. We've got um, got it set up if you want to register your questions or your points there. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text them in 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or this is the best way to do it because then you can indulge in a conversation with her. You can call up. If you call up now, look, the lines are free. If you call up now, we'll put your calls to her. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Well, I'm always happy to uh, uh, help powerful people get their to-do list together, which is why I thought I'd have another chat with Jim Stevens from the Friends of Manor Park. You may remember we had a chat earlier this week when gypsies set up camp in Luton. Morning, Jim. Good morning. Ha- have they gone now? Yes, they moved out uh, day before yesterday in the evening. Ah, now, what what state have they left the park in? Horrible. Oh, really? What's there? Everything. Now, Everything. I... I, I, I sort of guide what has been left behind. I poo-pooed... And, and th- I pity the poor council workers who've got to go in and do a deep clean. Oh, I bet them. I, 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 yes, I pity oh. them too. Are we, I, I poo-pooed the thought that maybe they were poo-pooing on the park, but... Paul no, Scoyne's pooed in the park and on the pavement. I, I know Paul oh. Scoyne's, that political reporter, showed me photographic evidence. It's incredible! It certainly is, but of course the surprise now is yep. that I've been told there's 26 or 27 caravans in one location in Luton now. Oh. Yes. Whereabouts, oh. It, whereabouts in Luton oh. are they now? Oh, um, I'm not too sure. I think oh. it's Lee Manor or somewhere in that area. Okay, well, we will... Uh, we will. I, I spoke to Catherine yesterday about it. Oh, Catherine Boyle, who's my uh, my producer this week. Oh, governor, yes, mate. <laughs> well, hang on a second, Jim. Let's not get carried away. She ain't not my governor, all right? <laughs> <laughs> She's someone's my... got to be. Someone, someone's got to be. Now, I, there was lots of toing and froing, wasn't there, about whether it was the council or the police who should be stepping in. What, what happened in the end, Jim? Well, that is the mystery. Right. Complete mystery. I was told by a council official that they had sorted the paperwork out after doing, starting it on Monday, despite the fact that the travellers had been there from Friday the 18th, and it took that while for their legal department to sort all the paperwork out. And hopefully, I was told, the, the council paperwork would be delivered to the caravanners on the Monday or the Tuesday, but they've now moved out on the Wednesday evening. Oh, okay. So, anyway, um, but of course, there's nothing to stop them moving back on again. 
Well, this this is the, the thing, and this is the worry. If, if they've been there before and they got away with it for... How long were they there for, Jim? Was it a couple of weeks? 18, 18th they moved on. Eight, OK, right. And, and this is where my problem is. Yeah. I was told by quite a, shall I say, an ex-councillor of yeah. Luton Council that the police had turned them away from Power Court, which is a private property... Yeah and allowed them to move straight into Manor Park. Now, this is just hearsay, but it it was given to me by a responsible person. Mm. What I want to know is, what are the police responsibilities? How do certain places remove them within two hours? Why do we have to wait two weeks? And why is it that they can move from one council place in Luton, council property, to another property, and the council have to go through that procedure again? Well, listen, we'll certainly put those uh, questions to Colette Paul, the new Chief Constable for Bedfordshire, when she comes in. There might be some people asking, Jim, well, where are these people supposed to go? What, What would you like to see happen in the long term? I would like to see proper... Um, pitches. Well, we've already got pitches allocated for deep, for the people mm. within Bedfordshire and other counties within the area. But these people, they're not the Roman Egyptians, but they are travellers. And they just take advantage of a free parking and free assessment to everything that is available for them. Now, if they went on to a licensed pitch, they wouldn't pay. And that is where our problem comes. If the council had the same sort, if our council in Luton had the same sort of bylaws as um, Houghton Regis and Harpenden, no four-wheel vehicles allowed on the public land without permission, then if they was there, they could have their property seized. And this is where our problem is, that the council doesn't do anything to stop it. If they put up barriers, one group will go and cut the barriers or remove the barriers, and the other one says, well, it was open, we it was open. drove in. Jim, do we, know, do we have any um, uh, timetable of when the park's going to be clean so you can get, uh, we can you know, get activities and teddy bears picnics and things happening in there again? No. We've mm. been told that it probably will take two weeks. No. Okay. Probably. But, of course, with now, of course, the park's strength, uh, works up, has been, uh, has been cut to practically nil yeah. because of these cutbacks. So where's the council going to get the people to do this cleaning? Um, are they going to take the people that are keeping the streets clean in the, in the town centre to do it? Couldn't we get a team? Imagine if we got a team of 100 local residents, and I know it's a dirty job because we know that there's, there's poo there, but 100 local residents could blitz that park in an afternoon, Jim, and do it. They could do, but I wouldn't want them to because oh. of the state of the, of the yeah. uh, environmental hazards that are I there. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're and, talking about. And then you've got this big problem. I mean, we, we clean it. We go round with a bag. We pick up things. There, there is a responsible person that has received money through um, the You Say We Do ac- action where they were issued with bags and tabard and pickups and they go in every morning and pick the pick the things up around the door entrance. Yes. Which is good. But we we as a friends we go around and pick up other things as well all the time. And th- one of the problems is there's not enough 
refuse bins in the park for people to put their rubbish. Ah, uh, bin- the, the, the lack of bins in public places, Jim, is, is the eternal problem. I agree with you. Jim, we have to end it. Thank you. We've got your question. We'll certainly put that to uh, the new Chief Constable for Bedfordshire, Colette Paul. If you've got a question you want to put to her, 08459 455 555. I keep going back to this thing in the Express. Page 14. It's not clever or funny to use foul language on TV, says Jan Etherington, comedy writer. No, me neither. I disagree with Ms Etherington. I think a well... There's... Okay. When I was 10, 11, I watched a film starring Gene Wilder and... uh, Who's the gentleman who burnt himself while smoking crack? Richard Pryor. uh, Called Stir Crazy. Okay. There is a scene in that, I remember it so well, there is a scene in that where they get sentenced to about 300 years each for a crime they didn't commit. It's the funniest scene because Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor spend five minutes going, oh, oh, swearing, using the S word, oh, keep, and it is the funniest, it's not clever, it's not particularly clever, it's not big, it's very, very funny. A well-timed F-bomb or an S-bomb can be hilarious. Of course, at other times it's completely inappropriate. I would hate hate it if Alex Winters or Katie from CBeebies suddenly dropped one as they were uh, uh, about to introduce uh, Mr Tumble. Or indeed, if Mr Tumble fell over and let out a a, a loud F-bomb. I would hate it. But, well, actually, no, it would be inappropriate. But there are times when, of course, it's appropriate Put EastEnders on after 10 o'clock. Have the Meffin and Jeffin in the, the Queen Vic. Because when have you ever been in a pub in the East End of London where you've not heard loud, sweary, slightly racist voices? It does, it, 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 it's real life. This call to have less swearing on television. You are so wrong, Jan Etherington. And anybody who agrees with her is a fool. We should have more swearing on the television. 08459 455 555 I know you want to agree with me so call up, uh, give me a pat on the back for getting it right, but don't swear yes, now is one of those times it would be inappropriate alright Mr Tumble Travel news for beds, cards and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio well, the M25, usual anti-clockwise delays now, 26 Waltham Abbey round to 25 Enfield into the roadworks. Anti-clockwise is also slow, 21 to 20 and then 17 to 16 approaching the M40, certainly building up on the cameras and sensors. Just looking on the uh, handy cross roundabout at High Wycombe, spotted a car on camera that's broken down. I think it's in the uh, uh, eastern side of the roundabout, not causing any delays at the moment. We had reports of an accident on the northbound M40 between 6 and 7, Wattlington up to Tame, two lorries uh, reported involved. We're just awaiting further updates. So from what I can see on camera, the matrix signs are showing problems, but no delays being flagged up as of yet on our speed sensors. A1 slow into London between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Usual north circular delays really uh, approaching the Hangar Lane Geratory. And as for Virgin Trains, well, delays to and from Manchester Piccadilly this morning. It's because of vandalism up at Stockport. I'm James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you very much. Right, 7.16, it's Thursday the 1st of August, I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio, if I can just click the right box, there it is. The Police Federation is urging the new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police to help protect frontline services. Unions want the government to help Wolverton-based rail care, which has been forced into administration. 
The weather today, misty at first, but turning hot and humid. And coming up before 7.30, well, lots to, to get involved in, including your calls on the worst place you've ever lived in. We've all stayed in awful, awful places, whether it's because we're students, we didn't have much money, it was for work. What are your bad property, bad flats, bad house share experiences? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS Show. You just can't carry on with life. I mean, it's just awful. With the biggest opinions. It's about time somebody or organisation has stood up and basically snort the coffee. Well, it depends on the individual, actually. Let's pollute the planet even more. We should pollute it so much your Pinot Grigio goes rotten. And the biggest local talking points. What we really need to do is for everyone in, in the country to reduce their energy consumption, not increase it. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Time for a quick look at the front pages of the newspaper. Or maybe a long look. Let's see how things progress, shall we? The Guardian. How NS... Whoa, hang on a second. How NSA can see nearly everything you do online. Gulp, he says. Quick, how do I delete my hard drive? A top-secret US National Security Agency programme allows analysts to search with no prior authorization through fast databases containing emails online chats and the browsing histories of millions of individuals gulp you mean just by deleting that 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 not only can the nsa but then probably my wife find it too ouch there's lots of the newspapers have got this story as well this awful duty the queen's speech for third world war it's not happening it's the Queen's speech nobody ever wants to hear. In 1983, senior civil servants drafted a message they envisaged the monarch might have to deliver to the nation on the eve of all-out nuclear war with Russia. I'm old enough to remember that the 80s, uh, yeah, they were terrifying, and not just because of Spandau Ballet. They were terrifying because at any moment we were going to get nuked nuclear bombs were going to be dropped on us it still terrifies me to this day ever seen a film called threads threads was a bbc produced film that showed what happened if a nuclear bomb was dropped on sheffield it is still to this day one of the most terrifying films i've ever seen in my life i've got it on dvd i can't watch it i don't think i can watch it now i've got kids it's just awful Uh, The story continues. The address begins by recalling her last broadcast when the horrors of war could not have seemed more remote as my family and I shared our Christmas joy. She continues. This is the Queen's speech had there been a nuclear war in 1983. Our brave country must again prepare itself to survive against great odds. Yeah, she'd be in her bunker. I have never forgotten the sorrow and pride as I felt I felt as my sister and I huddled around the nursery wireless set listening to my father's inspiring words on that fateful day. Not for a single moment did I imagine this solemn and awful duty would one day fall to me. Please, miss, can I have the rest of the day off? It's depressing. Let's do one more, then we'll, uh, we'll crack on. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. Fuel duty to be cut in remote regions. What? What? Drivers in rural areas where prices are higher in line for a five pence a litre reduction. What? Drivers in remote, remote, remote rural areas will be offered a cut in fuel duty. No. 
No, that's not fair. That's not fair. Why should they get it? They should, they've chosen to live so far away from things, you know, like buildings and stuff. They shouldn't get a reduction. That's ridiculous. Uh, and Thatcher voted post for Hague 21, uh, vetoed, sorry, post for Hague 21 as a gimmick. Oh, there you go, you see. Some things never change. 08459 455 555. Now, earlier this week, we talked about the troubled rail company in Milton Keynes, Rail Care. Workers hadn't been paid for a month and they were waiting for a sale to go through before they got their money. Well, now it seems it's gone into administration, putting 250 jobs at risk. The RMT union is calling on the government to step in to help. Peter Marland is the leader of the Labour group on Milton's Keen- Milton Keynes Council and joins me now. Peter, what do you make of the situation facing the workers at Railcare? Um, it's depressing, really, to be perfectly honest. Uh, we're in the 175th year, it's the anniversary of the works, and to see it in administration is obviously deeply worrying for the people who work there and the town itself. How serious a blow is this for the area? Um, I don't think it's just a blow for the area, it's a blow for the country, really. It's a huge site. Um, there are 250 skilled jobs there. There are 250 skilled jobs in the sister site in Scotland. If you look at the site now, it's, it would be impossible to reconstruct the site on the West Coast Main Line. There's no other site like it on the West Coast Main Line. It's of national significance, and therefore it's really deeply worrying. What have the council been doing, Peter, since the company went into administration? Uh, the council have obviously put into practice their major incident plan for such a thing. Uh, they've been deeply helpful in the past as well. What does that mean, a major incident plan? What does that involve? Um, it involves ensuring agencies such as uh, Job Centre Plus are alerted and that if the worst does come to the worst, that they'll go in and make sure staff have have the right training and things to, to look for other jobs. But unfortunately, those types of skilled jobs are few and far between and therefore what we need to do is make sure that all help is offered to make sure that companies sold as a going concern and I did meet with the leader and the chief executive of the council yesterday and they're happy to do that and they've been doing that in fairness in the past couple of months. The rail industry of course has an historic connection with Wolverton, how important is that? Oh it's hugely important, like I said it's the 175th anniversary of the works this year Um, although it is massively reduced from from what it was it's still an important site in the town and ultimately you know bills need to be paid mortgages need to be paid rents are going to be due and they haven't been paid for a month and 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 therefore it's it's just really important that the first priority is making sure that those people get paid peter we have to end it there but thank you very much peter marland leader of the labor group on milton Keynes council Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, some landlords in Luton are renting out filthy, run-down, unsafe houses, and the way things are at the moment, they will always find people willing to live in them if the price is right, which is why the council is bringing in new rules to try and stop them before something awful happens. Owners of all houses in multiple occupation in the borough will now have to have a licence. Um, although I suspect that some naughty landlords uh, can't be bothered to put up uh, uh, fire doors, might not even apply for a licence. I'm joined now by Jim O'Connor from the Luton-based homeless charity Noah Enterprise. Good morning, Jim. Morning, Ian. Uh, I, I, perhaps I'm being a little bit cynical, but it, having to apply for licences, is that is that really going to change anything? If these people are unscrupulous, they're not going to apply for the licence, are they? 
I think we've got to keep it in perspective. Our experience has been that it is uh, a minority of landlords who uh, don't comply with what you would call civilised accommodation. So I think that that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing that I would say is that uh, I would say this is a very welcome initiative. Anything that will assist in having basic standards, civilised standards of accommodation that ensure safety and uh, decent accommodation must be a good thing, must mm. be a good thing. But the, the, these people uh, who operate below the, the law or at least the moral standards, they'll always exist. If, if, they can, if the price is right, people will pay to, to, to live in something, even if it's a dump, even if it's a, 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 you know, a potential death trap with, without fire doors, without hot and cold water. If that's all they can afford, people will go there, won't they? It, that is the reality. Mm. We find that when we help people find accommodation, we placed 170 people in accommodation last year, a huge number. And indeed, it was greater the year before, 320, when we were able to afford more resource. The demand is there. Now, we will... Uh, we will take a view on the uh, on the standard of the accommodation, and we will not put anyone into accommodation that is substandard. So you get to check the accommodation before you put people in, do you? We do, our, and or we follow it up afterwards when they're in, and we do take a view on the standard of accommodation. However, if we uh, do not place someone in accommodation that we think is and not appropriate, they themselves will seek out that accommodation because it's better being in something mm. with a roof over your head than nothing in on the streets. Mm. But I think the general principle of actually lifting the whole standard has got to be applauded. The concern might be, how can it be enforced? Is the resource available to ensure that compliance uh, is assured uh, in these recessionary times, do and does the council have the, the wherewithal to make sure that this happens? Well, we spoke to Tom Shaw earlier from the council who, who claimed that there would be teams of people that, that, that would go to these properties and, and check them out uh, and enforce that. But yes, when cuts are being made to frontline staff everywhere, one does have to think, have they got enough people to enforce this that is a question uh, although there is a fee to be paid for uh, compliance and one would like to think that this will be self-financing and uh, i would imagine that that is the approach that the local authority is taking but certainly uh, i applaud the initiative mm. is there anything else that could be done to help people desperate people who are living in in dumps you know living in awful accommodation I think there are there are a number of things. We are facing a huge housing shortage, and some of this housing shortage is exacerbated by legislation. So, for example, the bedroom tax has had the consequence that there is a rising demand for one and two bedroom flats. The uh, introduction of single room rent rate for 25 to 35 year olds means that there has been a huge and increasing demand for shared accommodation and there isn't the capacity to meet it. Uh, that um, expansion of capacity is key for us. For us, one of the huge gaps is hostel accommodation mm. because increasingly our people want not only accommodation but they want that linkage with support as well. And uh, that would be a remedy. So those, those three things 
increasing capacity in one, two bedroom flats, shared accommodation and hostel accommodation for us primarily. Final thing, you mentioned that you're, you're, you're still a significant number of people you've been helping, but down on, on the year previously. Is that because there are less homeless people or because you are finding less properties to put people in? It's uh, because of uh, us not being able to afford the resource to do that. The demand is still there. Mm. And um, ironically, uh, in these recessionary times, the demand is increasing and the resource is more scarce. Jim, we have to end it there. We're out of time. Thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate that. Jim O'Connor from Luton-based homeless charity Noah Enterprise. If people uh, might want your help, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, we have a website, www.noahenterprise.org, or our telephone number is 01582 728416. 728416. Fantastic. Thank you, Ian. Jim, thank you very much indeed. Right, it's 7.29. Let's get the travel now with James Worley. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. Well, the M25, usual delays anti-clockwise on the top stretch into the roadworks between 26 and 25. Waltham Abbey over towards Enfield. It then eases up a little bit, but uh, some heavy traffic 21 to 20, and then the western stretch particularly slow south of Junction 17. In fact, 17 uh, Maple Cross down towards Junction 14 Heathrow, according to our speed centres, taking about an hour, so really heavy there. Northbound M40 between 6 and 7, Watlington up to Thames, partially blocked with an accident in Involving two lorries, left lanes closed, no delays on the sensors at the moment. There's a broken down car on the Handy Cross roundabout at High Wycombe. It's on the eastern side of the roundabouts just before the M40 slip road. Doesn't seem to be causing any problems on camera at the moment. Usual delays on the A1 into London, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. And Virgins say there are still possible delays for their trains in and out of Manchester Piccadilly because of vandalism earlier at Stockport. James Wally, BBC Three Counters Radio. James, thank you very much. 7.30, time for the news and sport. Now here's Lee Agnew. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past seven. The headlines. The Police Federation is urging the new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police to help protect frontline services. Colette Paul is speaking to BBC Three Counties Radio for the first time this morning, a month after starting the job. Unions are urging the government to help a rail company in Milton Keynes which has gone into administration. The jobs of more than 200 workers who repair trains at Railcare in Wolverton are under threat. New rules come into force in Luton today to stop landlords renting out unsuitable or unsafe properties. Landlords renting out homes of multiple occupancy will need a licence in future. The weather will be misty at first but turning hot and humid. Top temperatures around 29 degrees Celsius, that's 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cricket first and England will make a decision on the fitness of Kevin Peterson this morning ahead of the third Ashes test at Old Trafford. Captain Alistair Cook says the signs are pretty good but has warned his side against complacency despite leading the series 2-0. They're a dangerous side, you know. Trent Bridge was an extremely close game uh, and that was only two games ago. Um, we obviously played pretty well at Lord's. It was a big victory, but it's been a very tough series for us. You know, obviously playing Ashes as well, 
you know, it's obviously different to any other series you play. So, you know, we're expecting a very tough battle. In football, an MK Dons 11 beat a Tottenham 11 1-0 in a friendly at Stadium MK with a first-half goal from 16-year-old Giorgio Rizzullo. The Real Madrid coach Carlo Ancelotti has indicated for the first time that his club are in talks to sign Tottenham star Gareth Bale. Stoke City chairman Peter Coates says dealing with Spurs chairman Daniel Levy can be an interesting experience. Very difficult because he's very good at it. He's, 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 a, he's a very clever, bright man and knows what he's doing and has a good, has a good feel for things. He's a very skilled negotiator. Jessica Ennis-Hill says she's gutted to miss out on the World Athletics Championships. With 10 days to go until it starts in Moscow, the Olympic champion still hasn't recovered from an Achilles injury that's been hampering her since London 2012. Her coach, Tony Minicello, says the break gives her time to heal completely. Up to this point, it's all been about pain management and just trying to be pain-free so that she could perform. Now we'll start looking at trying to cure the, the situation with her Achilles tendon. So we'll take some slightly different direction with what we're doing. So in the next week so she'll rest do some easy rehab and then we'll talk with doctors in this in this period of time and find out the best course of action and finally golf's women's open starts at st andrews later this morning bbc three counties news and sport more at eight o'clock call 08459 455 555 bbc three counties radio morning this is ian lee bbc three counties radio 08459 455 555 we shall have more swearing on tv the worst place you've ever lived in and uh, i'm going to be joined shortly by the new chief constable of bedfordshire police colette paul 08459 455 555 Derek gibbons has emailed in uh, on the subject of swearing on tv nobody is denying ian that most people swear or have sworn at some time in their lives however when they do i doubt they do it in front of millions of others as on tv well it, it, the thing is it's a real thing everybody does it everybody does it of course we should have a little bit more i'm not saying it should be on during cbb's or or, or during this morning i don't want to see eamon holmes necessarily swearing on t- i've seen him do it in real life i don't want to see him doing it on television but it's what everybody does. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now joined by the new chief constable of Bedfordshire Police, Colette Paul. Good morning, Colette. Good morning. We're joined by your press officer as well. Is there is, is there a reason for that? Are we being censored? <laughs> Are being censored? Not at all. Not at all. You'll just I take. Don't, I don't think anyone can censor me. Okay, here. you're just taking notes. We can give you a recording of it if you want. We will listen to it. I shall hope you do. It just seems odd that you'd want to be in it. Why is that? What is that? What are you afraid of? We're afraid of nothing. It's essentially in case questions come in that Colette may or may not know the answer to because right. it's something quite historic. Bearing right. in mind she's only been with the force for okay. the last month. Okay, so you would answer that or no? It, but it might just be if she wants. She could tell me. Background information in order to help you answer the questions. Colette, you couldn't tell me more information to the listeners. You couldn't tell me that you don't know the answer yourself. I'm sure you could. Of course, I'd tell you that. But okay. no, it's just if there's any statistic or something like that. But that she doesn't I'm know the answer, of. doesn't she? So she gets that you don't know the answer, or do you? No, I, I might do. Okay, it's just trying to make the interview be as helpful and informative yeah. as okay. possible. Uh, being honest, having you here isn't particularly helpful. It seems an odd thing to do. I've, I've never... The only other person I've interviewed who's had a press officer next to them was Ray Davis of the Kinks. And that was one of the most awkward interviews I've ever done. So, Ian, I promise you this interview won't be awkward. OK. So she's staying, is she? 
She don't, don't even know her name. <laughs> don't you? It's no. Jo. Jo. OK, Jo. Well, I, I look forward to you sitting here for the rest of the interview. Now, you've been here for a month. Uh, uh, you've been in the job for a month. Colette, how are you finding it? Oh, it's absolutely fantastic uh, job. I've come to a force that's probably one of the friendliest forces that I've been involved with. You know, I've, I obviously started off in London, went off to um, South Wales, and then I've come to Bedfordshire. What a friendly force. Uh, the people really can do. Mm. They work incredibly hard. Um, and to be frank, sometimes look a bit knackered because they work so hard yes um, well, we've noticed that there are lots of hard workers there definitely yeah. and they, they are we spoke to um, Hob Hock earlier on oh, from the right, police okay. who says he likes what he's seen so far oh. he, which, is, which has got to be that's got to be some kind of praise hasn't that's, it that's, a, that's fantastic i tell you what um, the Federation have been fantastic I've right. got a great relationship with them and with Unison as well mm. they've been great they've been really welcoming and I've been very much welcome to the force is it odd? Uh, is it difficult to kind of step into this role where there are teams, there are cliques, there are people who've worked together for years and years and years, and suddenly you're the new face in the office? Is it awkward, or, 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 or do you just step straight in and, and, and pick up? Do you know what? It's not been awkward in the slightest. It, it feels like my home. You know, I've walked mm. in. I feel as if I've been there forever, and I've only been there a month. You know, and I think that's the friendliness of the people, mm. and um, it's a great force. Okay. Well, Hob was on the line earlier. Have a listen. This was the question that he'd like yeah. to put to. You. We'd like to ask her about the um, uh, workforce survey, um, mm. how morale is, um, and what she wants to do with regards to morale and how to boost officer morale. Because Hob was said that the thing at the moment is morale is very low, yeah. according to him. Um, certainly, coming in as a new chief, it's been incredibly helpful um, to have a staff survey. So it's given me the real opportunity to get a real feel for what people are feeling. Um, and I've been out. I've been in Luton this morning, you know, speaking to some of the staff mm. in the police station. Um, and yes, I think people have worked the, because they're working so hard. We faced tremendous cuts over the last couple of years, and we've got more coming. Of course, you know, morale is affected. There's no doubt about that. But what I would say about the people here, they've got a massively can-do attitude. Mm. They've got a real public service ethos. They want to get out there and do it for the public, and there's no doubt about that. My job now, um, new chief coming in, is to listen... Um, and I am getting out there. I'm doing what we call road shows. It means going out and visiting people and listening to them one to one, not just looking at the survey, but actually listening to them. Mm. And then what we're doing is almost like a bottom up approach. We're talking to them about how can we solve some of the issues for them to make life easier. Mm. I, you know, I haven't got a magic wand. I'm not going to bring a load of money um, to the forefront. Although I'll do my very best to um, sort out the financial situation as I can. Uh, but what I can do is make sure we look after the people because actually the, it's the people that make the difference. And how will you improve yeah. morale then? If morale is yeah. as bad as Hobb was saying this morning it, it, amongst the, the police force what can you do to improve that for me it's about um, I care about the people in uh, Bedfordshire I care about the officers and the police staff and the PCSOs and the specials and I actually genuinely care about them and it is about getting out there listening mm. it, are the things we can tweak so for example we're doing what we call a post-implementation review of our change that means that we're looking at what's gone well and what hasn't and what can be improved so it's about listening and changing those things we can change to make life better for those that are on the front line and that are delivering the services to the public of Bedfordshire What's it like working with Ollie Martins the PCSO yeah, it's been great, actually. Um, Ollie's a really genuine uh, man. He's working, you know, very hard for the communities um, of Bedfordshire. And um, we're really keen to work together. We're making sure we're getting very joined up around that. And uh, we've got different roles, um, different responsibilities. Well, I was going to ask you, what, yeah. what exactly are, what, what are the difference in responsibilities that you and Ollie have? Who, yeah. who does what? Yeah. Ollie's there um, on behalf of the public. You know, he's been elected uh, by the public to hold me to account around the service that I, you know, I deliver and the force delivers um, for the people of Bedfordshire. 
Bedfordshire. My role is to deliver that service and make sure it can be the best it can possibly be. And that's one of my top priorities. You know, one of my top priorities is looking after my people and their morale. The second priority is making sure that victims of crime get a really, really good service mm. um, from us in Bedfordshire. And we've got a little way to go on that. When you look at um, the victim satisfaction figures, that's something I've said. I want to be in the top ten. Um, and where, where are we? Where is Bedfordshire now? It's round about in the 30s oh, um, at the moment. What yeah. are people saying is lacking from victim support at I the moment? I think it's more around um, the lack of people, you know, around resources again. So I think it's more around that. But I'm a great believer in um, that if you give a really, really good service, you mm. make sure it's right right from the very start, um, that will start to improve in the future. And I think one of the issues has been getting back to people. Mm. You know, that's been one of the issues. Um, and people are busy, they move on to the next thing, they're dealing with the next crime, and sometimes can forget that there's a victim there that, that would like it's them to real back. Person. And, if you know, they're complaining about lack of people, you can't yeah. get more people, yeah. can you? In fact, you're going to lose people, yeah. isn't that right? Well, there's, an, there's another way, and Ollie and myself now are looking at how we can bring a lot more specials and um, volunteers to come and help us. This will actually help... Um, um, say the young people in Bedfordshire as well I'm very very keen that a lot of young people now are coming out of schools coming out of universities haven't got jobs I can give them some experience and some really good experience on their CV and they can come and learn about policing and actually contribute um, to policing Bedfordshire that's something that I'm looking really, really closely at. I'm just costing it all up at the mm. moment. I've got an ambition about the number that I'd like to recruit, and it's going to be a huge number. Mm. But obviously, I've got to cost all that out because it's not free um, yes. when you take on volunteers and um, specials. But, you know, a real appeal from me is you young people out there, get involved. When we do recruit, which we're looking to do uh, probably in the autumn time, um, apply come in why would young people want to uh, recruit because it's a very noble thing to do of course mm. it is but they're doing this kind of show and other shows that i've done lots of young people uh, they haven't got any time for the police they feel that the police don't listen to them they speak a different language uh, they have uh, the, the respect thing doesn't go either way in their opinion why would young people want to volunteer and help i think it's about letting them see just how dedicated a lot of our people are and our staff are and what they're looking to try and achieve so i'd say to them if that's your view come in and have a look come in and join us and you'll probably see a very very different side um to policing and that's what i'd be very keen for people to do but it's also for me it's about us giving something back you know there are a lot of young people out there that are desperate for jobs and we can give them one a really good job something to put on their cv when they go on to do other things or become police officers or police uh, pcso's if that's what they want to do so okay, i'm well, keen to give something back Again, with becoming, uh, the, in inverted commas, real police officers, no disrespect, yeah. but that's kind of me being a little bit lazy there. With these uh, enforced redundancies that are happening all across the, uh, the, the country yeah. with people who've had 30 years service or more, uh, they'll be looking at that and thinking, well, hang on a second, this, the, the, it's not a, a lifetime job. There's a chance I might get booted out. So again, why would people want to commit to something when cuts are being made? Can I just say, you know, um, people leaving at the 30-year point actually breaks my heart as a Chief Constable. Um, they're experienced. It's the experience has been got rid of. It's incredible. hugely experienced. But we're in a situation, you know, where there are cuts and we have to make those really, really tough decisions. And obviously, as a Chief, that's what I've got to do. And that's mm. what I'm paid to do, is to make those tough decisions. I don't do that lightly. Um, you know, I care about those individuals and actually they give an awful lot um, to the police service. Uh, but sometimes we have to make those hard decisions and obviously I will and do. 
What do you disagree with, uh, 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 Oli Martins, about that? You can't agree on everything. Um, I haven't found anything yet. Really? <laughs> to be frank, no. Um, we've worked really closely. Um, I think we've got some of the same ambitions around what we're looking to try and achieve over the next five years. Um, and I'm very keen to do it. You know, Ollie's doing it from you know the public perspective back. It's what people are telling him. And I'm very keen as a chief constable to respond as much as I possibly can to that. Mm. But obviously taking into account, I have to make the tough decisions. I have to deal with those that cause us the most threat, harm and risk and cause the public the most threat, harm and risk. And that's what I've got to prioritise mm. um, initially. Um, but obviously, no, you know, so far, Ollie and myself are very much on the same page and working for the same things. OK, well, that's, that's good to hear. We've got time for another quick clip. This is uh, Shazad Kadam. He's uh, a shopkeeper who lives in the high town area of Luton, which you've probably... I, I heard him this morning, actually, on the way in. I've got to say, oh. what a character. Uh, yeah, I'd love well, to meet him. Let's yeah. have, I'm sure you will yeah. at some point. Let's have a listen. This was Shazad this morning. What is Colette Paul going to do to personally ensure that those involved keep to their objectives to make sure that prostitution is eradicated from Luton, not only from Hightown, from Luton within five years. It's a big concern. We've been following Hightown closely because th- th- there is a lot of prostitution and drug use there, openly so. Uh, but it is, a, it is a problem in Luton, uh, and if it moves from Hightown, it will probably just move somewhere else. What are you going to do to ensure that this, this problem is gone? What I would say, prostitution is it's the oldest profession um, in the world, so it, it's always a tricky um, thing to deal with. But I am very, very robust about police taking um, action. One, um, against the curb crawlers, obviously, that do that. So we've had about 127 arrests so far um, for curb crawlers. Over what period of time is that? Um, over the last year. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, we've really been robust around this. Mm. I've got dedicated staff now that are dealing uh, with this particular issue because, you know, uh, like Chisette, I take it incredibly seriously as well. Mm. We are focusing, even now, this morning, I've been into Luton Police Station. We've got a prostitute that's actually in the cells in Luton Police Station this morning, around about 17 years of age. Mm. Um, and, you know, although a lot of these women are vulnerable, and I am concerned about their vulnerability, I've got to say, what I would say is, you know, they will be arrested uh, by my officers because I'm, I do not want to encourage more young people to go into prostitution and to come into Luton. We've got a real good approach now with the local authority. We're working incredibly closely with them. They've invested £50,000 um, into, you know, looking to try and uh, deal with this situation. So I think it's going to take a joined-up approach. It's going to be a joined-up approach with the community as well. And, and it will take some time to solve, but my, my commitment to Shazese is I'm going to do my very best to get this solved as much as I can. Fantastic. Listen, stay with us. Uh, you're here until 8 o'clock. Thank you very much. It's uh, the new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police, Colette Paul. Uh, it's 7.45. Let's go to James for the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. On the M25, two lanes are blocked clockwise between Junction 16 and 17. That's the M40 round to Maple Cross, of course. Uh, several vehicles involved in an accident. Uh, as I say, two lanes are closed. Uh, there are queues on camera, I can see, on the approach. Anti-clockwise is very heavy from 27 to 25. In fact, slow from the M11 towards the Enfield turn into the roadworks. And really heavy on the western stretch. In fact, it's taking over an hour to get from Junction 19 Watford down to Junction 15, the M4. Busier than normal, we would say. Northbound M40 up in Oxfordshire, partially blocked 6 up to 7. Watlington to Tame, where the two-lorry accident. The left lane is closed. M1's moving well on camera. The A1, though, into London slow, as you'd expect. Stirling Court to Mill Hill Circus and possible delays on Virgin trains uh, through the three counties uh, especially those trains to and from Manchester it's all because of vandalism earlier up at Stockport James Worley, BBC Three Counties Radio James, thank you very much 
Right, it's coming up to 7.47. It's Thursday, the 1st of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police says she's determined to keep up morale despite huge cutbacks to the force. More than 200 jobs are under threat at Wolverton-based rail care, which has been forced into administration. And Luton Borough Council says it's clamping down on landlords that rent out unsafe property. We'll get more from uh, new Chief Constable Colette Paul in a second, but before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth... Beds, hearts and bucks weather BBC Three Counties Radio Hello, good morning Well, two words for today, hot and sunny Could also say dry, be quite humid as well A really very muggy feel to things today We do have some early mist around A little bit of uh, bit of um, cloud just towards um, northern areas of Bedfordshire That will clear, burnt back by the sunshine Lots of that through the morning and into the afternoon as well And we're looking at temperatures into the low 30s in Celsius Sort of 31, 32 degrees Celsius perhaps in many of our towns that's getting up to 90 in Fahrenheit so it is going to feel really very warm today we've got a noticeable southerly breeze too so um, you will notice that through the morning I think it will ease down a touch into the afternoon very warm breeze now as we get through into this evening it's going to be really very muggy overnight quite a sticky perhaps uncomfortable night's sleep Um, a little bit of cloud just drifting in from the west as we head uh, through in towards dawn as well that's going to be low clouds so it could bring some quite misty conditions but temperatures overnight not really dropping below 18 or 19 degrees Celsius so feeling really rather muggy tomorrow then it's all changed we could see a few outbreaks of showery rain around through the morning that will clear into the afternoon and the clouds should disperse as well to give us some sunshine but then also the threat of some heavy possibly even thundery showers developing and temperatures in the mid-20s so peaking off at around 24-25 degrees Celsius so a bit of a drop on today and then for the weekend well we're talking about sunshine and showers more showers around on Saturday than on Sunday if you've got plans outdoors then you want to know that temperatures in the low to the mid 20s so cooler than today but still you know pretty decent temperatures close to average for this time of year there will be some sunshine around but just watch out for a few showers at times too and it is going to be quite blustery but today yeah the best of the weather definitely today and that's the forecast Roberto Peroni, debating the local issues. Bill Rowe is uh, a guardian angel. He needs volunteers for his Luton chapter. This is not being a policeman. You can't do a policeman's job. It is giving safe passage to more vulnerable people. Roberto Peroni. A red kite has been rescued from a tree in Hertfordshire. There was a lost parrot in the three counties and I was ready to mobilise our best people. Forget snakes on a plane. This is snakes in Hertfordshire. Potentially 27 of them. Roberto Peroni. I love the animal stories. I do the animal stories. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, it's 7.49. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, joined by the new... When do I stop calling you the new Chief Constable <laughs> of Bedfordshire Police? When, when does the, that wear now. off? Now, OK. <laughs> it's the Chief Constable <laughs> of Thank Bedfordshire you. Police, Colette Paul. Thank you very much for coming in. Um, Justin Dealey, our reporter, is out and about. You've got your headphones on, yeah, so you should be able uh-huh. to hear him. Justin, where are you? Well, Ian, I've been uh, speaking to Peter Miles. Now, he has a question in relation to an incident which happened last night. He's from Houghton Regis. Uh, his car was damaged, and he's been telling me what happened. Yeah, I'll just park my car, not where I normally park it, but on the road, because my wife parked on the drive. Um, woke up this morning to come to work, and there's a great big red paint mark sprayed on it, um, and several others down the road as well. It's, it's, the, it's the anguish of it, you know, that you go and go T-cut it off or take it to a garage and get it done. And is that the first time this has happened? No, no, it's not the first time. There's, you know, silly little things like hubcaps, uh, aerials go missing. 
if there's a little bit of police presence, you know, because they know where the hotspots are, you know, it, I'm not saying it would stop it, but it would aid it. So that's what you'd like to see more of. That's your question today. Why can't we have more of a visible presence which might stop these incidents like what happened to you last night happening again? Yeah. I know know we can't have 24-7 police. I realise that. But if they just drive around in the car, you know, go to these little hotspots, these little cul-de-sacs where it all takes takes place. Okay, just lastly, I mean, you say this is not the first time. Uh, It happened again last night. So when was the last time you saw any form of of presence from the police where you live then? The last time we saw some presence of police, we got some uh, motorbikes that ride around at night. There was just one copper walking around very early hours of the morning and just asked one guy to stop and he just rode past him. He had no backup. When was that? This was about probably four or five weeks ago. And since then you've seen nothing? Nothing, no. It is the, is the thing, isn't it, that people say they want to see more coppers on the beat. You, I guess you can't do that. If, if cuts are being made and, and, and people are losing their jobs, you, you can't do that, can you? Can I first off just say to Peter, um, I know there's nothing worse than having paint sprayed on your car and stuff like that. That's, you know, it's not great. And when you get up in the morning and, and see that, it's not great, Peter. Um, obviously, um, vehicle crime is something I've, I've asked my team to look at really, really closely. Um, because um, in terms of priorities, obviously, compared to knife crime, gun crime and others, it has been um, slightly lower. But what I would say is we're taking it really seriously now because um, it has risen. There are some issues around it and we're picking up and dealing with those issues. In terms of seeing a police officer on um, the street and you say five weeks ago um, you saw a police officer, you know, obviously, that we are stretched, you know, across the county. We do base it on threat, risk and harm in terms of what we're dealing with. But what I would say is, and what I'm trying to do and working with Ollie Martins is looking to get a lot more special constables in to, to look at even some of the rural crime that's happening and obviously some of the other crime that at the moment is not as high risk as the gun crime but it's still incredibly serious for those um, that it happens to. Some people might say that the special constables looking at, at, at more crimes like rural crime I think like that is, is not taking it seriously. Yeah. I'd say it's taken it incredibly seriously. You know special constables have the full powers that a police constable has and they're actually a lot of them are incredibly good and a number of them become police officers later so it's almost like a training ground for future police officers they can arrest them and put them in handcuffs yeah of course and they take can. them away yeah of course they can they've got, got a, full powers we've got a text from Suzanne it says what, can you ask why our young PCSOs haven't been issued with fixed penalty pads so they have some teeth to back them up yeah it's always interesting with um, police community support officers and um, you know sometimes people believe they should have more powers than they've actually got one of the things I would say one of the reasons why so we they haven't got full powers then um, full, PCSOs haven't got full powers right okay yeah yeah, um, specials have. Right, okay. Yeah, so um, there's a discriminator between those. But p- police community support officers, the name's in the title and the job is in the title. They're out talking to communities. They're out doing the job that the hard-pressed police officers actually can't do at the moment because they're dealing with some of the more high-risk areas of the business and they're out there dealing with the emergency calls. So what they're doing is talking to people, getting to know people, encouraging people to tell them. You know, some of the best intelligence comes from the police community support officers because people trust them and talk to them. If you start to give them some of those extra uh, powers, um, what you'll find is they'll they'll be doing the police officer role, mm. and that's not what they're there to do. Do people trust them? There is I, I, I pick up there is still an attitude of people think they're actually they're a bit of a joke. It's strange. I don't pick up that at all. A lot of the stuff I get back from counsellors, a lot of the stuff I get back and feedback from the public is actually they really like them because they know them, they know them by name, and a lot of the police community 
sport officers know everyone in that area. They know their children, they know what's going on in the area, and actually they're getting an awful lot of respect. So I think um, the attitude that you've just expressed was probably the attitude when they first came out on the street. It's the, attitude, it's the attitude we hear on this kind of show. Oh. I, I don't know what... The, I, I can understand why councillors would like them, because yeah. it, 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 you know, it looks like a presence on the street. Mm. But a lot of the listeners kind of think... Really. We, we spoke to Jim Stevens earlier on. There was a problem with travellers in Luton uh, in a park recently. They've left the park in a terrible yeah. state. Jim was very upset. This was his question to you. What I want to know is, what are the police responsibilities? How do certain places remove them within two hours? Why do we have to wait two weeks? And why is it that they can move from one council place in Luton, council property, to another property, and the council have to go through that procedure again? Colette? Um, I've been in Luton this morning and to Luton Police Station and actually was talking to the sergeant that actually went down this morning to check himself just to check, you know, that the issues had um, been dealt with. And he said basically a lot of them were going to a wedding, I believe, in um, Hemel Hempstead and a lot have moved on now. There's only mm. a, a, a couple of caravans left. What I would say, is it, it is tricky uh, with this. Um, I recognise that encampments, encampments can cause real fear and an- anxiety amongst local well, And they've left loads of faeces all over the park yeah, as well. Yeah. Well, obviously that will have to be cleaned up. Yeah. You know, that's a public safety issue in its, in its own right. Uh, but what I would say is the difficulty we have here is that the lifestyle is lawful and it's a culture that's recognised and protected through legislation. And the police have to balance that with the needs and rights of both both sides and mm. that's the tricky um, area but here. people have, have have the right to, to have their park not um be invaded yeah. and have people you know basically going to the toilet in the park mm. wherever they want that th- that's a right as well yeah. isn't it yeah. well, uh, absolutely and what i would say is getting that balance is right the police role is to deal with any criminal offenses you know so where there's crime associated with this we get it in there and deal with that but obviously we, we have to work very locally uh, very closely with the local authority you know around these particular issues mm. and balance those rights but you know i absolutely understand and it can cause real problems for local communities. But there's nothing more happens. the police police could do yeah. unless a well, crime is broken. Yeah, yeah. We deal with the criminal side of um, what takes place and deal with that robustly, and obviously work with the local authority. Then you know around the encampment. So that's that's the difference in the role. Drake on Facebook raises a point that quite a few people have raised. Uh, uh, raised is crime really going down in Bedfordshire because the figures are down, or have the public lost confidence in the police? Thus, they're not reporting lesser offences. Yeah, um, I would say. Um, We've done a bit of research on this when we saw just how much the crime had gone down. I do believe that crime is going down in Bedfordshire, although what I would say um, is uh, some more internet crime now is is rising, and that's a national issue and actually an international issue. Mm. So I'd say some of the crime has moved on to the internet um, where things are taking place there. And obviously here within Bedfordshire, we're working with our partners in Cambridgeshire and also with Hertfordshire uh, to actually look at how we're going to deal with what they call e-crime, which is the internet-based crime. So some of that has shifted. There's no doubt about it. Yes, some crimes are definitely underreported. What I would do is encourage people to report crime, um, obviously, because that means we've got a really good chance of catching the offenders and making sure that further people are not victimised. So we do reduce the victims. But when we've looked at the figures, it does look as if crime's coming down, yes. Bedfordshire has has faced massive cuts. It's got huge cuts coming again in the future. Are you worried about that? Yeah, of course I'm worried about that. As um, a chief of uh, Bedfordshire, I'm very concerned about that. I've got 7.5 million to find over the next two years. It's a lot of money. Um, I'm, that's why I'm working so closely with my neighbouring forces. That's Hertfordshire, um, Cambridgeshire, but also Norfolk and Suffolk we're looking to do some work with as well in the future. And that's just about trying to bring all the back office services and make that much cheaper to protect the frontline services because I'm very, very keen to protect the frontline.
Very nice to meet you. Thank you very much, Colette Paul, Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police. The new has now been dropped. Joe Press Officer, are you happy with that? Everything okay? <laughs> Did we pass the Thank test? Nothing you. you want to take out from the recording? Excellent stuff indeed. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll have your say on what you've just heard. 08459 455555. You can send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. It's coming up to 7.59. Let's get the travel now with James. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks Ian. Clockwise M25 down to two lanes between 16 and 17. That's the M40 up to Maple Cross after an accident. There's a queue of around half an hour from 15, the M4. Anti-clockwise M25 really slow this morning from 19 Watford down towards the M4. That's taking about an hour. And southbound M1, heavy now 12 to 11 approaching the Dunstable turn. Uh, M40 northbound, a lane shut for 6 up to 7, Watlington up to Tame after an accident involving two lorries. London-bound M40 is slow approaching the M25. I'm James Woolley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you, James. Well, you just heard what Colette Paul had to say. Convinced? This sounded sound very charming, but did you buy what she was saying? It's your turn to have your say now. 08459 555 555. We'll speak to you after the latest news with Lee. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Eight o'clock, I'm Liak. New the headlines. New Chief Constable says Bedfordshire Police can get through the cutbacks. Wolverton Train Company goes into administration and new rules to improve rented homes in Luton. BBC Three Counties Radio. The new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police says she is determined to keep up morale despite huge cutbacks to the force. Colette Paul has been speaking to BBC Three Counties Radio for the first time a month after starting the job. I care about the people in uh, Bedfordshire. I care about the officers and the police staff and the PCSOs and the specials. And I actually genuinely care about them. And it is about getting out there listening. It, are there things we can tweak? So, for example, we're doing what we call a post-implementation review of our change. That means that we're looking at what's gone well and what hasn't and what can be improved. A rail company in Milton Keynes has gone into administration, putting more than 200 jobs at risk. The RMT union wants the government to help Wolverton-based rail care after a takeover plan fell through. Peter Marland, the leader of the Labour Group on Milton Keynes Council, says it would be a tragedy to lose so many skilled workers. I don't think it's just a blow for the area. It's a blow for the country, really. It's a huge site. It would be impossible to reconstruct the site on the West Coast Main Line. There's no other site like it on the West Coast Main Line. It's of national significance and therefore it's really deeply worrying. New rules come into force in Luton today to stop landlords renting out unsuitable or unsafe properties. People renting out homes of multiple occupancy will need a licence. Tom Shaw, the Labour councillor responsible for housing at Luton Borough Council, says they know that some landlords have been flouting the law. Before, we had to wait till a complaint came in and everything else. The new rules from today are we'll go out and inspect properties. What we know or suspect are being used as HMOs actually say, you've got to do this. If you don't do it, we are going to take you to court. Councils are being criticised over the amount of profits they're making from motorists through parking charges and fines. The RAC Foundation says that over 12 months, local authorities made a surplus of £565 million. Certain shops in St Albans are displaying stickers on their windows from today to help people with learning difficulties. Joe Davis from Mencap says the Keep Safe initiative will reassure people there's a safe place to go. The main idea is that when people with a learning disability are 
out and about in town, shopping in pubs, in restaurants, whatever they might be doing, if they feel unsafe or they feel threatened, and um, because sadly we know that as many as nine in ten people with a learning disability have been victims of hate crime. So we really welcome initiatives like this, which are kind of proactively trying to keep people safer. In sport, England will make a last-minute decision on the fitness of Kevin Peterson this morning, ahead of the third Ashes test at Old Trafford. And an MK Dons 11 beat a Tottenham 11 1-0 in a friendly at Stadium MK. The weather for beds, hearts and bugs will be misty at first, but turning hot and humid. Top temperatures around 29 degrees Celsius. That's 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio, it's three minutes past eight. Well, if you've been listening for the last 30 minutes, you would have heard Colette Paul, the Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police. Oh, I didn't mention her about the Twitter. Oh, nuts. Do, do. Uh, well, you heard what she had to say. What did you think? Were you convinced by it? She sounds authoritative. Sounds like she knows what she's talking about. She sounds passionate. It's your turn to have your say. 08459 455 555. Other things we're talking about this morning as new rules are brought in to uh, help people who live in, well, hovels basically in Luton. What's the worst place you've ever lived in? The Daily Express says there should be less swearing on television. Au contraire, that's French. There should be more swearing on television. It's unrealistic. I'm a grown adult. If I want to watch swearing on television, I should be allowed to. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, Bedfordshire's uh, Chief Constable, I've dropped the new. Colette Paul has been in the studio answering some of your questions. Very personal, has some good ideas. I'm not a police expert. Luckily, we have a police expert, Bernard Ricks. He's a police advisor from Bedfordshire, has written several reports for the Home Office. Well, Bernard, you were listening to the uh, interview there. What did you make of Colette Paul? Good morning, Ian. Yes, um, well, Colette um, Paul is uh, um, very passionate about her work, and she has an excellent reputation. Uh, she certainly has a tough act to follow with Alf Hitchcock being the previous chief constable. Again, a very good chief. Um, the, a, a number of questions that come out of, of the interview that you held with her, I, I would have been interested, for example, to understand what objectives the PCC has set for the new chief. They ought to relate to um, his three key strands of protecting the public, partnership working and preventing crime. Um, She certainly has some real challenges on the finances, but then so do every uh, does every chief. Bedfordshire has a particularly bad situation in terms of finances though, don't they? Well, HMIC, the inspectors of constabulary um, named Bedfordshire as one of five forces that they were particularly concerned about as far as finances were, were concerned. Not so much immediately, but from 2015 onwards. So the inspectors were were confident about the force's ability to deal with the finances for the next two years, but it's how the force deals with matters after that. She is going to have to make some very tough calls. Do you think she's up to it? 
Well, there were a couple of things there that, that um, I, I took particular note of during your interview, one of which on victim satisfaction, she says that she wants the force to be in the top ten, where it's very much near the bottom of the pile at the moment. And, and great, absolutely, we, we would all want Bedfordshire to be in the top ten for victim satisfaction. Um, she said it was lack of resources that's the problem. Well, we're in a position where we're not going to get any more mm. resources. Actually, I think what she should be looking at is the, are the processes. It's what you do with the the people that you have available, not just get more people. You actually look at ways of improving the, the efficiency, and that is perfectly possible. She talked uh, about using more volunteers as well. Well, yes, she was talking particularly about getting young people in as specials and volunteers, and um, that engagement of young people, I think, is, is definitely to be commended. It's important that all parts of society are engaged and, and involved in our policing. Uh, the difficulty that she'll have there, I think it's not just young people that she needs to be targeting to be specials and volunteers. It's actually, mm. there are many community members that would want to support the police. And I think also if um, she is saying to, holding out the, the prospects to them of jobs as officers and PCSOs, there's only a very few that can go on to become officers and PCSOs. So there's a degree of expectation management there that people need to be doing, coming in as specials and volunteers for the for the experience and for the job itself, not just because there is the prospect of being an officer or a PCSO in due course. You mentioned experience. She's lost a load of experienced officers. I know this is not just a Bedfordshire problem. This is happening uh, uh, across the country. But it does seem incredible, doesn't it, Bernard, that, uh, you know, that, that uh, she is calling for youngsters to come in and volunteer when really experienced coppers are out on their ear. It's a complete nonsense, and it's, it's uh, in, in the jargon, it's called A19. It, it means that those who've completed their 30 years of service as a police officer, um, because at that point uh, they can be let go, and um, that's the way of, of saving money. And it's losing a whole raft of experience. It is, it's that experience and that knowledge and, and that hands-on experience being booted out. I, I cannot get my head around who would think that's a good idea. It, it's we're, we're stuck with it in in a sense through the um the the need to make savings in the short term it's certainly not a medium to long-term uh, sensible approach but many forces have had, had to proceed down that route she says that a month in um the relationship with ollie martins the uh, pcc is going pretty well and they uh, haven't disagreed on anything do you buy that well, good if they are. The, this is where there is a distinct difference, though, between the role of the Police and Crime Commissioner and the role of the Chief Constable. Chief Constable deals with operational matters. PCC broadly deals with strategic matters of, of strategy. Now, the, whole, the PCC is there to hold the Chief Constable to account. Mm. Now, that, in very broad terms, that means that the PCC is the Chief Constable's boss. Now, that means that the PCC needs to be setting objectives for the new chief. What does ollie martins wants <clears throat> excuse me what does ollie martins wants colette paul to achieve in the next year two years three years five years i'm not cited i'm not clear on what that is at the moment um and it's it's down to the pcc in any force to have very clear objectives for the chief constable as to what they should deliver and then monitor their progress against those objectives over time it's not just it's not just about a friendly relationship it's about a critical positive critical relationship as well from that brief 30 minutes, uh, uh, Bernard, I know it's hard to make uh, a, a, a full rounded appraisal on that, but are you confident that she uh, is the right person for the job and will be able to do it? 
I think that, that there is great potential there. She has a very strong track record. Um, you could tell during the interview uh, that you held with her that she's passionate about her work. And uh, as long as um, it is clear as to what objectives she has, I'm, I'm, she, she's, she's a good chief constable, potential to be a very good chief constable. And I'm, I'm very pleased. When she was appointed, I was very pleased that it was her that was appointed to the, to the role. Uh, Bernard, thank you very much indeed. Bernard Ricks, police advisor from Bedfordshire, has written several uh, reports for the Home Office. Well, what do you think? If you heard the interview, did she fill you with confidence? I thought she was very good. I don't know why she brought the, why that PR officer was there. I would be surprised if Colette had suggested that herself, because I said the only other interview I've done with that was Ray Davis from the Kinks, who's a famous, miserable old git. And it was one of the most awkward interviews ever, until I told him I used to live in Muswell Hill. So that kind of... Um, that, that made me a little bit cautious, uh, I think. But that issue to one side, what do you think? You heard her? Were you impressed with her? Did, were you impressed with her answers? She seems to be passionate about it. She seems to want to make improvements and change things. Will she be able to? 08459 455 555. Nicholas is in Buckingham. Nicholas, what did you think of Colette Paul? Yes, well, I thought it was um, a very good, very good interview, very good interview, and obviously with um, you know a press officer there as well, just in case there was uh, you know questions. But you see, my question is, we need a police force, Ian. We do not need a police service, yeah. which is now what we have got. Yes, there we go. Now, if this was you or I, oh. Let's go and attend um, Uncle Norman's wedding, shall we? Oh, yeah. We'll stick a caravan on somebody's bit of land, defecate, break the law, etc., etc. Now, you or I, you, would, you wouldn't even get out your caravan as a member or a member of the public. But, oh, let's go under this traveller thing. And they know full well what they can get away with. And how long were they were? Were they there a fortnight be- before the police acted on it and, and moved them off. You know, you think of your members of your public and then you put the people that know what they can do with the law because I'm afraid, Ian, at times the law is an absolute ass. I'm still shocked at the revelation that Uncle Norman's getting married. He never told me. Yeah. Unbelievable <laughs> good on him, the silly old sausage. But the thing is, Nicholas, the thing about yeah. the, the travellers, as, as Colette pointed out, they weren't breaking any laws. Yeah. And that's yes, the thing, that the police very, can only very, intervene if they're breaking the law. That's, yeah, it's very it's very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I must admit, they are in um, one of those Cats 22 situations, but like the chap said who had his car, you know, and his aerial broken off and spray-painted, that they haven't now got the resources, have they, to deal with that sort of thing? Because years ago, you know, obviously back in the day, the Bobby would have been on the beat and he would have been out there to put that right. Bobby's on the beat, though, Nicholas, and this often gets raised. Does it really stop crime? I don't know if it does. Uh, No, I don't think they do, but what they are in, they're a very good deterrent, aren't they? The officer in the uniform does still carry a bit of weight. I know he can't do a lot nowadays because he's got four... Utilities from Batman on their uh, on their on their clothing with all the batons and everything else they carry. I don't think they're permitted to run after criminals now, are they? You know, in the days. Uh, I, I, I think. I, I think. Yeah. Well, several things are popping up here. First of all, deterrent does mean d- stop crime, and secondly, uh, they. I think they are allowed to run after criminals. Yes. Yeah. 
That's it, yeah. But yes. I think it's only certain certain length, isn't it, now? Because I know <laughs> where that lady fell over, didn't she? She fell over around the back of... Um, <laughs> It was a petrol station, wasn't it? And oh, yeah. I didn't go around there because it was slippery, wasn't it? There's so much where there's blame, there's a claim now. There's so much yes. that they can't do that yeah. they used to be able to do yes. at times. And yet I, they I, are in a catch-22 situation, yeah. I, 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 do, I, I do think they're allowed to chase criminals. I would be surprised if they weren't yeah. allowed. But That's yes, I, I like your description of that. That It is like they're wearing the, the bat utility belt, isn't it? Most certainly is, yeah. We need, <laughs> we need a Batman, don't we? We certainly do, we certainly do, Ian. Would yeah. you be up for it, Nicholas? If I could get you a suit, a rubber suit, <laughs> and a mask, and, you know, just a few weapons, low-level things, nothing too dangerous, would you be up for it, Nicholas? We oh, need yes. someone I like most, you. I most definitely would. Well, we certainly... It's web, you see. I do come across the odd bat, and, you know, in that sort of situation, yeah. Sorry? But it's... I think it's, as long as she can do exactly what she says, exactly what it says on the... T- on the tin, Ian, yes. it will be a good thing, yes. What does I, it... I quite... What does it say... Nicholas... Look on the situation. Nicholas, what yes. does it say on the tin? You've got the tin in yes. your hand. Look at it. Read it to me. That's it. It says, I will do exactly as it says on the tin, what? and I will put my... Uh, all my resources to the best use possible. So it's, I think that's very good. It says that on the tin, that it will do what it says on the tin? Tin, yes. We're, yeah. we're, we've opened Pandora's box. <laughs> Nicholas, lovely it to talk to you. Very good if we are, Ian. Yeah. No, very that, nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. No, Nicholas, Pandora's box is a bad thing. We don't want to open that. It's for, what words in Pandora's box? It's full of shame and guilt, isn't it? And hatred, I think. And then there's one little fairy that flies out. He goes, "Who's, who's that?" Uh, I'm Hope. Well, there's only one of you. There's millions of the others. We're screwed. That's the story, as far as I can remember. All right, eight sixteen. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, delays on the M25. First of all, queues clockwise between junctions 14 Heathrow T4 up to 16 the M40. The accident just north of junction 16 has cleared, we can see on camera, but uh, delays of up to 45 minutes there. And also delays now clockwise between junctions 23 and 24 into the roadworks if you're heading towards Potter's Bar. Anti-clockwise is heavy, approaching junction 25 Enfield, and then anti-clockwise very slow from 19 Watford down towards junction 15 the M4, taking over an hour that stretch. Southbound M1's quite slow, 12 to 11, approaching the Dunstable turn. Uh, the M40 southbound towards the M25 is slow, we can see on camera. Clockwise is still part blocks, 6 up to 7, that's Watlington to Tame after an accident earlier. Usual southbound A1 delays approaching the Black Cat roundabout, busy into London on the approach to uh, Mill Hill Circus on the A1, and uh, no reported problems on trains across the three counties. James Worley, BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, it's 8.17, it's uh, Thursday, the 1st of August. I've just put some of that forehead stick on my head and I'm, I'm really struggling to read now. My eyes are watering <laughs> ever so slightly. I may need you to step in. Hang on a second, let me get closer to the screen. Uh, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chief Constable of Pol- uh, Bedfordshire Police says she's determined to keep up her officers' morale despite huge cutbacks to the force. Luton Borough Council says it's clamping down on landlords that rent out unsafe properties. We'll be talking about that more before... What is that? <laughs> I'm, I'm mimicking your funny eyes. I'm not, I just can't see. <laughs> My eyes are all running. Look at you, you've got a bit teary. How do I make the screen bigger? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, wait, four, five, that's a serious question. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. BBC's Three Counties Radio. This weekend... Forward now and shoot! It's back. And scores! And so are we. Welcome to Three Counties Sports. With over 200 live games this season. Gets the shot in, finds the bottom corner! The Football League kicks off this weekend and we'll have three live commentaries. Birmingham versus Watford. MK Dons away to Shrewsbury. And Stevenage against Oldham. Plus regular updates on Wickham's opener at home to Morecambe. Three Counties Sport returns to Saturdays this weekend on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well... Uh, JVS is very... I feel like I've admitted failure. Admitting I'm getting old and past it. He has increased the font size of the screen that I use to read the headlines from. Welcome to the world of 14. <laughs> is, your, is yours that big? Yeah, I've, I've been on 14 for a long time. Really? I okay. can't read it. Oh, you had it on, a, I think, 11 Yes, before. yes. I mean, only children can read 11. I might go back down to nine. I won't want. I, I won't. I've got excellent vision, but it is getting a little bit frosty as I as I uh, gather years under my belt. Really? Yeah, a little bit. You look absolutely wonderful. You are very buff. You <laughs> Don't are very, start again. No, I'm not. Honestly, I'm, it always surprises me because <laughs> I bet as a lad you were like me and I'm a little bit nerdy, a bit geeky, a bit lonely. Cry a little no, bit. In, no, no. Let me carry on. You were. <laughs> A little bit thin, a bit sickly. You'd cry yourself to sleep at night, wondering when things would turn out <laughs> your way and why your family didn't want to talk to you and stuff uh, like that. And you're a little bit weedy, but you've really done well for yourself. Thanks very much. You're it's buff. Uh, you're buff. You reckon? Do you go? Do you go and go to the gym? You, do you pull off in there? I've uh, I've not been to the gym no? for the whole of 2013. <laughs> That's so naughty. I paid for the gym yep. for the whole of 2013. Yeah. What a waste. I've the, done that. I've done that. The thing is, I know I'm going to go, so yep. I can't cancel it. Yeah. Because I, I am going to go, but I just want to wait till I get a bit more fat first. Do you know what I mean? fat on you at all, man. Well, I've noticed some of my trousers, they're very tight now yep. around my buttocks. Fashionable. Fashionable to have tight buttocks. But I, I like to wait until I get to a stage where I can't actually do the top button up, and okay. then I say, I'm going to go back to the gym. That's your... Do you weigh yourself? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. I haven't weighed myself since I was 15. You don't need to, Louis. There's nothing of you. I know. People say, well, how do you know what, what, how much you weigh? Well, I don't. But I know if I need to do a bit of exercise or eat a bit less because I get a little paunch. And if I get that paunch, then I know that it's time to just hold back on the food for a little bit, maybe a couple of days, go for a little jog or a swim, and then... Uh, you starve yourself. That's a very healthy way of losing weight. I discovered that, you know, ballet dancers... <laughs> And uh, models. Do you know how they stay thin? Do you know what they do? Starve themselves? Well, yes, but do you know how they starve themselves? This is incredible. Uh, I I was so shocked by this, but apparently it's quite common. They dip um, tissue paper in orange juice... And they eat it. Oh, that's true. And that fills, that fills their stomach. Oh, for goodness Isn't sake. Isn't that insane? What's wrong with people? Why would anyone do that? Exactly. Have a bit of gatto. Yeah, <laughs> 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 oh, you're so 1976. I went out for, for a meal last night. I had a hanger steak. I don't know what that means. Neither did I until last night. I yeah. ordered this. It just said steak frites. Oh. And I thought, well, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah. It was so delicious. And I, normally I like a fillet steak. So I said to the waiter, I said, excuse me, which part of the cow is this from? And he pointed at his kind of pecs. Oh, yeah. And I thought, Pe- you don't you eat that. Yeah. Is that your pecs there? I would have said that was your, your um, uh, uh, um, solar plexus. Oh, all right. Well, it's solar plexus. Yes. And... Um, 
Anyway, I asked another waiter because I didn't believe him, no. and it was indeed. It comes from the the uh, the breast part oh, of the gosh. cow. Was it any good? D- delicious. How oh, fantastic! It's my new favourite cut. Was it big? Was it a big cut? It was lovely. It was about that big. Oh, fantastic. And it was very rare. And frites are French for um, chips, aren't they? Chips. Wonderful. Marvellous. Beautiful. Washed down with a bottle of, of rouge oh. last night. Well, you've got to have red with steak, haven't you? Do you? I don't, I don't know. Yes. I don't eat meat or drink, so those two things... Oh, look at the look oh, of, of disappointment you on your don't. face. What a wasted conversation that was. <laughs> Shall I just... <laughs> For you and I, and indeed the listener. <laughs> exactly. Shall I just move on? We've lost that 15% in just uh, three minutes. <laughs> it's all vanished. What's on your show this morning? Coming up on the big phone in this morning at nine, should people who live in the countryside pay less for fuel? I heard you mentioning this earlier. I love <laughs> Not, this story. Such a nonsense. Drivers in remote areas could pay less for their petrol and diesel under government plans to cut fuel duty. Residents of the Scottish Islands and the Scilly Isles already receive a 5p discount on their fuel because the costs of transporting it means prices are higher than on the mainland. The Chief Secretary to the Treasury, Danny Alexander, is considering extending this scheme to other areas, including, wait for it, parts of Devon, Cumbria and Wales. Note his beds, hearts and bucks was missing. Yes, that's not fair. The Treasury's published a list of 35 areas which will be considered, but beds, hearts and bucks doesn't feature. Well, I want to hear from you from nine this morning. Is it fair that the taxpayer should pay to subsidise motorists in these other rural parts of the UK? I mean, the message has been sent that they have no alternative than to use their car. Hang on. What about us living in beds, hearts and bucks? Most of us have no alternative than to use our car. Do we want to pay more for for our petrol just so people down in 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 Devon and people in Wales and in North Cumbria they have to pay a bit less? Devon's beautiful. Devon's beautiful. Their benefit is it's a beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful place to live. Not saying that beds, hearts and bucks isn't, of course. Although let's be honest, some places. But no, I'm teasing. Have you been to Plymouth? Well, Plymouth is a little bit dull, isn't oh, it? Oh, gosh, I've dreary. never seen so much grey in all my life. Well, from nine this morning, should people who live in the countryside pay less for fuel? I want your views on the big phone in at nine. Talking very quickly uh, about um, uh, dumps that you lived in. I keep uh, tr- avoiding the word that we've been using off-air to describe properties that aren't very nice. Ever lived in a, a horrible property? I bet you never have, have you? Uh, no. We've got a text here from Jason. Jason says, The worst property I lived in was in Welling Garden City. It was given to me by the council as a temporary home. I had to meet the council at the property for them to unbald it as it was the road of derelicted houses, what they were pulling down in. I was the only person, well, me and my wife at the time, and my son was the only people living on the road. It was on, don't get me wrong, I was grateful for it, as it was a roof over our heads, but it was then knocked down six months later after I moved out. Now, it's stories like that that make you realise just how lucky you are, don't they? Shall I make that font 60? <laughs> Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, bless you, Jonathan. He's apologising for telling me a story about meat and wine. Because <laughs> I don't even drink it. Listen, I know, I know it's out there. I've seen it. I've prepared it for other people. I don't mind preparing it. Well, silly sausage. She's on from nine o'clock. Always a good listen. Now, some landlords are in Luton are renting out filthy, run-down, unsafe holes. And the way things are at the moment, they'll always find people willing to live in them, which is why the council is bringing in new rules to try and stop them. Homes of multiple occupancy, or HMOs, make up about a quarter of private rented sector in the town. 
or the MD of the Association of Residential Lettings Agents, is Ian Potter. He joins me now. Ian, you've always argued for regulation of private landlords. You must be pleased with this development. We're pleased as long as what Luton are doing is needed and is going to be properly policed. Uh, One of the experiences that our members come across quite a lot is that some local authorities introduce something like this and then don't actually do anything against the worst landlords. Ah, so you, are, are you worried this is kind of a, a, a bit of PR, but basically they they won't enforce it? Uh, well, we're just cautious of it, uh, as, as we always are, until we see how some of the local authority schemes work out. Some of them work out very well, and have done a lot to improve the reputation of the private rented sector. I guess one of the problems, Ian, is identifying these homes of multiple occupancy in, in the first place. I would imagine that a lot of it could well be cash in hand and, and isn't declared. Uh, absolutely. Also, the, the council do have a fair idea of where these properties are. And by introducing such a scheme, it allows them to target uh, the landlord and the property to do something about it. So to that extent, we do welcome it. But we, we are always cautious of what the costs for these are, because at the end of the day, someone finishes up paying for it, and ultimately it's the tenant. Well, how, well, well ah, yes, exactly. Tom Shaw explained that the, the, the cost would be uh, paid by the landlord. But yes, ultimately, I suppose that would end up on the tenant's uh, rent. What more would you like to see done, Ian? What, what would make you happy? Uh, what would make us happy is full regulation of, of the private rented sector, landlords and agents, so that we can get rid of the bad reputation that exists in uh, certain areas. And we can see people living in decent, safe homes, uh, and uh, that would allow the private rented sector to grow in a proper way. Uh, is this a step in the right direction? It's a small step in the right direction, as I said, as long as the council target the worst and work with those that don't quite come up to standard to help them to get there. Ian Potter, thank you very much uh, indeed. The MD of the Association of Residential Letting Agents. Uh, What's the worst place you've ever lived in? Christian Stevenson says on Facebook. My fiancé and I rented a three-bed maisonette in Leegrave above some shops. Living above shops, it never works out. The windows became rotten and were falling out. We were told they didn't have the money to fix them, so we couldn't force them to. I called the environmental health who came and condemned the windows and made him replace them with new. But guess what? He asked us to leave. We're now in a two-bed maze net where we've had to throw away £1,000 worth of furniture and a bed because the basement bedroom wasn't damp-proof correctly. Good times! Christian, thank you very much for that. What's the worst place you've ever lived in? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25's particularly slow this morning, including clockwise between junctions 14 and 17, or really 14 to 16 now, approaching the M40 after an accident earlier. Anti-clockwise is slow moving 19 to 15. It's taking over an hour to get from the Watford turn down towards the M4 this morning. And the M1 slow southbound from Flittick, junction 12 to 11, Dunstable. It delays on the southbound M4C towards London from junction 2, Beaconsfield, down onto the M25, we can see on camera. There's still one lane closed northbound between 6, Watlington and 
17 after an accident earlier. The left lane is still closed, actually. In High Wycombe, Lane End Road is blocked. There's been a spillage uh, of rapeseed oil at, Pro at Progress Road, not far from the Sands Industrial Estates. The fire brigade have blocked the road as a precaution. That's Lane End Road in High Wycombe. As for the trains, uh, generally a good service across the three counties. James Wally, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. 8.30, news and sport now. Here's Lee. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines. The chief constable of Bedfordshire Police says she is determined to keep up morale despite huge cutbacks to the force. Colette Paul has been speaking to BBC Three Counties Radio for the first time a month after starting the job. A rail company in Milton Keynes has gone into administration, putting more than 200 jobs at risk. The RMT union wants the government to help Wolverton-based rail care after a takeover plan fell through. And Luton Borough Council says it's clamping down on landlords that rent out unsafe properties. In future, people renting out homes of multiple occupancy will need to have a licence. The weather will be hot and humid today, with top temperatures around 29 degrees Celsius. That's 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The England captain Alistair Cook is relishing the chance to play an Ashes Test match at Old Trafford today. The pitch could be a factor with heavy rain in Lancashire over the past few days. But Cook is hoping it can stage another Ashes Classic to guarantee a series win. Normally it's obviously a good cricket wicket here. Since they've changed the, the square round, you might have lost a little bit of that Old Trafford pace um, that we it used to be here. But um, it's a great place to play cricket, you know, obviously that. With the new development as well, I think it's looking really nice. And, uh, you know, we normally get great support here, and um, hopefully we can back that up. In football, an MK Dons 11 beat a Tottenham 11 1-0 in a friendly at Stadium MK with a first-half goal from 16-year-old Giorgio Rizzullo. The Real Madrid coach Carlo Ancelotti has indicated for the first time that his club are in talks to sign Tottenham star Gareth Bale. Stoke City chairman Peter Coates says dealing with Spurs chairman Daniel Levy can be an interesting experience. Very difficult because he's very good at it. He's, 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 a, he's a very clever bright man and knows what he's doing and has a good has a good feel for things. He's a very skilled negotiator. Jessica Ennis-Hill says she's gutted to miss out on the World Athletics Championships. With 10 days to go until it starts in Moscow, the Olympic champion still hasn't recovered from an Achilles injury that's been hampering her since London 2012. Her coach, Tony Minicello, says the break gives her time to heal completely. Up to this point, it's all been about pain management and just trying to be pain-free so that she could perform. Now we'll start looking at trying to cure the, the situation with her Achilles tendon. So we'll take some slightly different direction with what we're doing. So in in the next week or so she'll rest do some easy rehab and then we'll talk with doctors in this in this period of time and find out the best course of action and finally at the world swimming championships in barcelona olympic champion chad leclo won the men's 200 meters butterfly while american teenager missy franklin claimed gold in the women's 200 meters freestyle bbc three counties news and sport more at nine o'clock Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Daily Express is calling for less swearing on television. It's a nonsense. We should have more swearing on television. Of course we should. Why would you not want real life 
represented on your televisual box every night. Of course you do. EastEnders, what a load of old tosh. Put it on at 10.30, have them effing and jeffing and smoking and doing all kinds of naughty things. Instead of that lightweight nonsense that they trot out, absolute rubbish. Of course we should have more swearing on television. You're a fool if you think that we shouldn't. If we should have less, shame on you. I'm a grown adult. One of my favourite things is to watch movies with swearing in. Why, why should that be a problem? Do you remember in the, the 80s and the 90s, they would show, like, um, sort of adult movies, like Midnight Run and uh, with, with Robert De Niro and another film as well that were full of swearing, but they show them at 5.45 on a Saturday afternoon. And so instead of having the swearing, it'll be stuff like You Mother Fluffer and um, things like that is what they dub over it, but in a different voice. Ridiculous. Put it out, uncut. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. It it would be hard for anyone to disagree with the simple premise we should have more swearing on television. Call O eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. St Albans has signed up to a new initiative designed to help people with learning difficulties keep safe in the city centre. From now on, they'll be given a special card and a key ring, so if they get lost or feel threatened, they can head for shops with a matching sticker in the window. Well, Mencap told me earlier that 90% of the people they work with have been the victim of hate crime. 90%. Well, joining me now is Jane Dello, who is Hertfordshire's Keep Safe Community Coordinator and is behind this initiative. Morning, Jane. Why is this scheme being launched in St Albans? Good morning. Uh, Keep Safe uh, has been asked for by local people with learning disabilities. So um, Keep Safe is a community safety scheme whereby people can go into a business, shop, local service displaying the uh, orange sticker with a black telephone on and make a telephone call in the event of an emergency. How many stores have taken up this initiative? Well, for today, we're launching in 16 stores, although there is a list of people who have, are offering to be part of Keep Safe. So it's just a beginning, and it will be growing from today. Why St Albans, Jane? Is there a, a significant problem with uh, people with learning difficulties being abused in St Albans? No, it's not that. Um, it's just that St Albans have asked for it. There are Keep Safe is set up in other towns in Hertfordshire um, already, and St Albans is um, people there have asked for it because they've heard about it in other areas and they really like the idea. Whereabouts uh, are they happening in, in Hertfordshire? Where else? Uh, Bishop Stortford, Hertford, Chessant, Tring, Hemel Hempstead, and Watford and are amongst some of the towns. And let's, let's Watford, for example, has there been, been a big take up? I, I, I was in Watford recently. I don't remember. Maybe I didn't see them. I don't remember seeing any shops with these stickers yes it's one of those uh, things when you see it you'll start seeing them everywhere so (laughs) there are quite a few in Watford yeah and how do the shops get involved Do, do you approach them or do they come to you it's the uh, Hertfordshire Constabulary are our partners in this, so it's a, a community project with um, let the local Safer Neighbourhood team go around to the stores and ask if they would like to be part, explain what Keep Safe is all about, and ask if they'd like to join. And do the staff in the, the shop, do they get any, any training on how to deal with uh, people who may come in asking for help? There's no particular training. It is 
it is just offering someone the use of a telephone to make a call either to a parent, carer, supporter or to the local police. So each shop gets a pack, a keep safe pack and in there is a leaflet explaining the scheme. There's a communication board with easy pictures and words inside to help someone to say what might have happened or why they want to use the phone and it's, it's very simple ABC 123 instructions on how to use keep safe. Jane, thank you very much. Best of luck with it. It sounds like a cracking idea. That's Jane Dello. That's Hertfordshire's Keep Safe Community Coordinator. Call 08459 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, Sandra's texting about this. I was listening to the lady talking about people with learning problems being victimised. My son has an autistic spectrum disorder, and I can tell you from personal experience that people will target anybody who they see as a soft target. He has a card from the police that says, I have an autistic spectrum disorder, and gives a list of things and numbers to contact. All he has to do is show somebody like a shopkeeper or PCSO, etc. Many teenagers find it funny to wind him up and watch him go. Well, that's, uh, you know, listen, I'm not, can I, permission to speak vaguely freely? I'm not particularly proud of some of my teenage behaviour, but let's hope they learn their lesson. The independent Zimbabwe isn't working. What? Widespread claims... No, in Zimbabwe, widespread claims of vote rigging as the country goes to the poll. In Zimbabwe? Mugabe, Zimbabwe? Vote rigging by Mugabe in Zimbabwe? No, this could never happen. Schools ask people to sit maths exams twice to, twice to boost their league table scores. Thousands of teenagers are being put in for multiple GCSE maths exams in the hope they'll get the crucial C-grade passes in at least one of them. The practice is exposed by the exams regulator Ofqual today as it reveals that 15% of candidates sitting GCSEs, around 90,000, were last year submitted for maths exams with more than one board. Okay. The Times... I don't, I'm, I'm trying to work out... I don't get that story. Maybe it's because I, I wasn't very good at maths. Uh, scandal of the little boy starved to death. Oh, it's very sad, this story. Uh, warning signs ignored as couple were left to inflict regime of This is this mum and her boyfriend who killed this, this gorgeous little boy four years old. I heard the 999 call that she made. You heard it. It's, it's harrowing and it's upsetting uh, where she says, oh, my little boy's just stopped breathing. He's not moving. It's harrowing and upsetting until you realise he, he hadn't been alive for a day. He died the day before and she's making this... He's just stopped breathing. Oh, it's all horrible, horrible people. Horrible people. Daily Mail, £500 million tax on drivers by greedy town halls. This is more like it. Motorists were urged yesterday to go to war on councils who use parking fees as a massive money spinner. The call came as it was revealed that town halls have boosted their annual profit from such charges to more than £500 million, up by 10%. There's a picture of a pretty lady in a bikini on the same page. I got distracted. Sorry, Daily Mail. It was Daily Mail who um, hates the BBC. Hate the BBC for their sexism. Their horrible sexism. That John Inverdell comment. Let's get the BBC. A few pages later, there was a picture of a lovely lady in a bikini. Look at this hot young girl. The Daily Mail is one of the most... Oh, it, it claims to be so moralistic and crusading. Go to their website. You want to see some filth? Go to their website. Front page of the Daily Mail. Cal fathers a child by his good friend's wife. There's a surprise for everybody concerned. The Daily Express. Simon Cow to become a father. Eh? I don't believe a word of it. Is there a new TV series starting soon? 
Is there? Oh, no, really? Is X Factor? Is it X Factor coming back soon? Oh, nuts. He's having you on. He's having you on. Don't you understand this? I feel like um, uh, um, uh, the fella, what's his name? Um, the, the, the Jack Bowers' dad, his real-life dad, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., Donald Sutherland, that's it. I feel like Donald Sutherland in the 1970s remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where I'm going around telling all of you you've, that people are being turned into pods. You just have to wake up and look, these aren't, that isn't your real parents. Those aren't the real police officers. They are aliens. I'm doing the same thing. Simon Cowell has not got a lady pregnant. It's a TV series starting. And, as we all know, he is a massive publicity hound, isn't he? Daily Express, daily walks to beat dementia. All right, brisk exercise, boost memory, says new study. It's only if you remember to do it, of course. A brisk walk every day could be the key to warding off dementia. Could be the key to warding off dementia. Regular exercise is so effective, it far surpasses any benefits from drugs. Striding out for as little as 20 minutes a day not only boosts memory, but also improves the walker's brain function. The encouraging results were achieved with a dose of exercise within the recommended maximum physical activity level for older adults. Experts suggest 150 minutes exercise a week. Get out of it. At an intensity... That's... Oh, for goodness sake. Dr Laura Phillips... Dr Laura Phipps of Alzheimer's Research says... Well... While there is currently no way to prevent dementia, the best evidence shows that regular exercise, along with eating a healthy diet, not smoking, and keeping your turn to page two, blood pressure and cholesterol in check, can help lower your risk. So, what they're saying is, if you're lazy, you're going to get dementia. Good luck with that. The son, Cal, gets Powell's wife pregnant. No, he doesn't. He has a television show starting soon. Harry Potter getting bongoed. We were talking about bongos yesterday, Harry. Uh, no, we weren't. I was talking about bongos somewhere else yesterday. And uh, the worst thing you could ever find... Imagine being in a club. And I used to... Uh, in the 90s, I went to clubs in warehouses four times because I was out with a, going out with a girl who liked that kind of thing. And there would always be some Muppet sat in the corner with bongos, probably in the chill-out room. Chill-out room. It would be, like, dark and they'd show black-and-white films. Oh, for goodness Someone would cheekily pass a spliff around. Uh, but there will always be someone with bongos. You make you think, what kind of idiot goes, right, guys, we're going out tonight. Got your keys? Yeah. Got your wallet? Yeah. Everything? Right, let's get the... Oh, I'm going to bring the bongos. Oh, no, Steve, don't bring the bongos. Don't bring... No, I'm going to bring the bongos. Oh, no, don't be the guy that sits there topless, sweating, gurning, playing bongos. No, everyone likes the bongo guy. I want to be the bongo guy. No, don't be the bongo guy. Be the... Be the kazoo guy or the accordion guy for a change. No, everyone likes bongo guy. No one likes bongo guy. Well, Harry Potter is bongo guy. Party mad Dan hits club drums. Harry Potter star Daniel Radcliffe surprised revellers by hitting a nightclub and a bongo drum. The actor, I think they're trying to imply he might have a cold or something. The actor looked tired and worn out, was engrossed in playing the percussion instrument as he partied alone. But the 24-year-old seemed happy to pose with fans as he made his way across the dance floor in front of hundreds of stunned punters. One reveller said he was running about the place having a great party but was bumping into people in the walls. He was having a great time and was intrigued by the bongos and was really letting it loose on the dance floor. Another clubber added, He was a bit manic the way he was dancing and moving, but he wasn't hiding his behaviour. He was very open. Probably got a cold or something. Leave the guy alone. He's busy in that play, isn't he? 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, the anti-clockwise M25 still heavy approaching 25 Enfield into the roadworks. It's also slow anti-clockwise in patches from 19 Watford down towards Junction 15, the M4. It's taking around 50 minutes to do that stretch. Clockwise is... uh, Still slow after an accident earlier, just after Junction 16, the M40. Into High Wycombe, Lane End Road is blocked. There's a spillage of oil at the Progress Road Junction near to the Sands Industrial Estate. Southbound A1 approaching the Black Cat Roundabout's heavy on the sensors. Delays also into London on the A1 approaching Mill Hill Circus. And... uh, just getting word from Stephen who's CCTV to say Broadhall Way fairly heavy between the A1M and the football ground. On to Virgin Trains, possible delays to and from Manchester because of vandalism earlier at Stockport. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. James, thank you very much. Right, it's 8.46, it's Thursday the 1st of August, I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police says she's determined to keep up morale despite cutbacks to the force. Luton Borough Council is bringing in new rules to protect tenants from renting unsafe properties. And England fans are still waiting to see if Kevin Peterson's in the lineup for the third Ashes Test against Australia. Coming up, we'll catch up with your offensive language correspondent Justin Dealey. Boy, oh boy, has he got a potty mouth. He has to wear um, a, a, like a dog collar, and every time he's about to swear, he gets an electric shock that goes through it. That's the only way we can let him broadcast on the radio. Anyway, he's been finding out what you think of swearing on the TV. Here's another person with a potty mouth. The weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello. No, you got me all wrong, in fact, Ian. I would never say any bad words at all. You reckon? No. OK. No, you'd have to really wind me up in order to, and you're just not going to be able to do that. I think I might be able to try. <laughs> no. Uh, sunny and hot today. Quite humid as well. We're looking at temperatures getting into the low 30s in Celsius. A warm southerly breeze too. There will be a bit of fair weather cloud coming and going, I think, through the afternoon. And then through the evening and overnight, it's going to feel really rather muggy and close, a bit of an uncomfortable night's sleep, I dare say. Temperatures down to around 18 or 19 degrees in many of our towns, so feeling really rather warm overnight. And then tomorrow, well it's all changed. It's only really going to last for one day, all this hot and sunny weather because tomorrow morning we've got some low cloud, a southwesterly breeze, quite blustery. We run the risk of seeing a few showers through the afternoon, although there will be some sunshine as well. Temperatures in the mid-twenties, it will feel much cooler by Friday night, and then temperatures around low to mid-twenties as we head through the course of the weekend. Sunshine and showers, Ian. That's the forecast. Thank you very much. Well, hello there, lovely listener. D-Love here again. Back to share the love for digital radio. Let me paint a picture in your mind. You're sat under a tree in a field full of flowers, listening to the sweet sounds of BBC Three Counties Radio. Beautiful, isn't it? But it doesn't just have to live in your mind. It can be real, my friends. Because with digital radio, you can listen almost anywhere. On your smartphone, laptop, or tablet. Come on, friends. Don't be shy. Get out there and help share the love. If you love radio, go digital. For more information on switching to digital radio and on coverage in your area, search online for BBC Digital Radio. 
455 There's an interesting uh, piece in the Express. There's been a lot about this. JVS kind of mentioned uh, swearing yesterday uh, before and after the watershed. He did an interesting little phoner uh, on that. So it, it, it's been around a bit, but there is this, um, this article that's been written by Jan Etherington, comedy writer. It is not clever or funny to use foul language on TV. Um, American comedy writers of primetime shows are very aware of the boundaries and consequently concentrate on wit and wordplay. Hello, have you seen Curb Your Enthusiasm? Have you seen the episode, one of the funniest episodes of any TV show, the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where he has to write an obituary for his wife's aunt? He gets the first letter wrong. Very wrong. It is the funniest, easily one of the funniest things I've ever seen on television. Exactly. It's wonderful. Some will say it's not believable unless you include swearing. Correct. I would say watch Frasier. Not believable. Modern Family. Sadly, not funny. Or indeed Friends. I've only ever seen one. And tell me that those shows would have been improved if the actors had been potty-mouthed and crude. I think that I did watch one episode of Modern Family. It's by Christopher Guest, the, the people that did um, uh, Spinal Tap and Waiting for Guffman and all of those fantastic things. Watch first episode. There was swearing in that, wasn't there? I'm sure Michael McKeon drops an F-bomb. And also, there were no jokes in it. It was, it was nice. It was gentle. It weren't funny. It's a shame because I like Nina Conti. I think she's brilliant. She's the ventriloquist dummy girl. I think she's excellent. Oh, no, I am thinking of... Mo- I'm thinking of Family Tree. Oh, Modern Family. Oh, no, that's tosh. Utter tosh. Uh, with this slippery slope judgment, the trust has shown its... Basically, she thinks there's too much swearing. Not enough swearing on TV. There should be more swearing on TV. Justin Dealey. <laughs> yes? Hello, Ian. Hello, Justin. Morning, You're right. Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Now, listen, you, 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 it is funny. Mm. It can be funny. It can be clever. It can be gratuitous. I'm not saying, you know, every other word should be an F or a Jeff. Mm. Uh, it can be overused. But sometimes... Richard Pryor dropping an S-bomb, uh, or, or, or Robert De Niro, it, it just his potty mouth in Midnight Run, it makes me laugh out loud. Yeah, do you know what? For once again, um, I actually agree with you. Because for once again, yeah, Justin agrees with me. Yeah, for yeah. once again, yeah. Justin agrees with yeah. me. Okay. So for once again, yeah. you're agreeing with me. Listen, Great. I'll bang my head, okay? <laughs> well, we'll get on to okay. your gash in a second. But uh, on a Monday night, as you know, it's uh, ribeye night for me, Ian. It's, Sorry? Uh, yeah, ribeye. Ribeye steak. You're a vegetarian. You're missing out. Okay. okay. I can assure you. I didn't know you had. I didn't know you had meat-themed nights, yeah. Justin. <laughs> Two on a Monday. Right. It's, it's a ribeye night. Yeah. As you know, I listen to a bit of Phil Collins in the bath. I then get out. I have my ribeye steak in my dressing gown. And then I sit down to watch a double episode of Coronation Street. <laughs> now, when it's all kicking off in the Rovers, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. The odd swear word would be fantastic. When have you ever known it in a pub when it's kicking off and people are going, Oh, don't do that to me. Oh, you leave me alone. Oh, oh I might just do that to you. I would people love... Going to swear, aren't I they? would love to see Ken Barlow call someone a nasty little S. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? Brilliant, yeah, love it. You've been out talking to people. Are they sensible like us, Justin, and agreeing with us? They well, want more swearing on TV. Um, this theory of yours, it's uh, an interesting one. Yep. I have been asking people, is there too much swearing on TV? And here's what people had to say. Uh, whenever I've seen anything, yes. There's no need for it, really. If you have something to say, use the words you want to say, but swearing says nothing. And Ian's saying today that we need more swearing on TV because that would represent real life. Look at your face. You don't, you don't like the idea of that, do you? You know, if you keep going down to, you know, look, oh, we've got to do that, you, you keep compromising. Where does it end? You know, we, we've got loads of words. Why do you need swear words? 
Now, sir, you don't like swearing on TV. You actually avoid programmes after nine o'clock because you don't want to hear it on TV. I don't. No, definitely not. No, why, why should I? I don't swear myself. So uh, I, don't, I don't believe in uh, listening to it on the television in my own house. And that's about the size of it, really. I mean, you are going to hear the odd swear word on TV. When you do hear those swear words, do you genuinely get upset by that? I won't say I get upset by it, but in certain cases, there's no need for it. Let's put it that way. And lastly, Ian's been saying today we need more swearing on TV because that's real life. How would you answer that? Definitely no. That was quite an aggressive no, wasn't it? Uh, It is, (laughs) because I tell you what I do, mate, I turn the television off. Yes, definitely. Um, There's no need for it in some of it. You find that it's becoming more and more like America, I think. The thing is, though, real life, we do swear, don't we? We do, but there's more and more that's becoming before the watershed. Not quite swear, swear words, but there's no need for it before the watershed. And then kids are staying up later and they're picking up on it, I think. Ian thinks we need more swearing on TV. Would you go along with that? If if, if it's got context and it it means a... I'm fine with it, but if it's swearing for swearing's sake, then no. Well, there we go. Sorry, Justin, I was making a rather inappropriate joke there to the team, so that's why I was a little bit quiet. So not many people agreeing then, if any. Well, there's a lady behind me here who's just walking off into her car and thinks that you're sick. Sorry? She's now walked off to her car. Sick? Yeah, I said, we need more swearing on TV, according to Ian Lee. She said, well, he's sick. He's sick. Now now she's walked off. Where's the... Where's the sickness in that, Justin? I want my television. I'm not saying at three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. I don't want, um, you know, them to go in the uh, cash in the attic to go, everything you've got up here is, you know, pony. (laughs) But uh, after nine o'clock at night, yes, I would like to see more. I'm an adult. My children will be in bed. I will Mm. make sure they don't watch it. I want real life represented in my dramas. But it's an interesting point, as I say. But unfortunately, the, the people that I've been talking to this morning and the lady there, nobody backs you up. You've got about five minutes left. I don't think personally you're going to find anybody who wants more swearing on TV. I could be wrong. Let's I could be wrong. Say that, Justin, because I want to I come onto your gash in a second. But mm. 08459 455 555. Can we find anybody who agrees with me that, yes, there should be more swearing on television? Now, Justin, yes. you seriously injured yourself the other day. Mm. Uh, you've got a huge gash on your head. The picture is still on, on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you passed out and woke up outside number 11. Yeah. <laughs> I did, yes. Lots, my head on the post box, yes. Lots of, uh, <laughs> and you posted a picture of that post book, again, on Facebook, to show your, your anger and disgust at this. Mm. Uh, lots of people were saying you should go to the hospital, you should go and see a doctor, you may be suffering from concussion or p- post-traumatic stress. Uh, w- what happened? Well, yesterday, off the back of uh, various phone calls to the programme, people saying that I could die, yes. and uh, you were, of course, were, were laughing at that. I was laughing. Um, yes. I, I was out of out of nervousness. Mm. Now, let's be honest about it, Ian. You know, yeah. in your career, there's been highs and the, uh, there's been quite a few lows for you. So, what I did want to do, okay, w- was ignore those claims yesterday. Then mm. suddenly, I pass out and I die this week. And the audio w- would there, you would you have considered that as a high or a low in my um, career? Quite possibly a low for you, because okay. if the Daily Mail had got hold of that, you know, you Could've. laughing at your colleagues. No. But, you know, potentially he could die and you're laughing, then I do die. It wouldn't look good if for you. If you do die, Justin, could mm. you do it on air? Simply, simply yeah. because <laughs> I'm smelling a Sony award. Sony. Sony. Sony or at least turning up on the Christmas blooper yeah. reel. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? People were saying, uh, you, 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 and it is serious, you bump mm. your head and you pass out. That's a serious thing. Of course it is. I, I do feel a bit strange um, having very odd conversations with you before the programme today, that's for sure. So yesterday I went <laughs> to the uh, L&D hospital. I went to 
to the A&E there and I booked myself in. Uh, they cleaned me up, they assessed my head, they gave me compliments on my tan, the vending machine was wonderful. I was there for about 45 minutes and they said to me, it's okay, yes it is quite a big gash but you don't quite need it gluing, it's recovering already, give it a few days and you'll be absolutely that really fine. Is, really is wonderful news Justin, mm. I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that. Thanks. Uh, stay there because Shirley's in Milton Keynes. Shirley, you agree with me, there should be more swearing on television. No, I don't agree with you. Oh, sorry? I don't agree with you. There should not be. There's enough swearing on television. In fact, there's too much. There's hardly any, Shirley. There's too much. I don't like it. Uh, when was the last time you saw swearing on television? Oh, well, I don't know, because I don't watch EastEnders. Well, there's no swearing in that. Well, I don't watch it anyway. Right. But there's a, a lot of these um, films, documentaries and things, there's far too much swearing going on. But if you've not seen it, then you, you don't know that it's going on. Well, I, I tend to watch programmes that don't. Well, I, like, I watch more documentaries, really. Like what? Oh, nature programme. Richard Attenborough has got a filthy yeah, mouth. Not Richard, David. <laughs> David Attenborough, he's got a filthy mouth. When he's getting chased by a tiger, you should hear, hear what he's, he says. Yeah, well, I don't hear it, do no, I? No. So you don't hear it that on but, television. But, Shirley, uh, as a grown man, I'm 40 years old, I want to see real life represented on television. I want to see well, people real using... Life is represented. They do deal with real life things on television. But I don't like all the swearing. I don't think it's necessary. Shirley, very nice to talk to you. Justin, it looks like it might just be me and you. Do you want to hang out and listen to do some swearing after the show? Yeah, let's do that. We've still got a minute to go. Surely somebody out there may just back you up on this. I know what you're saying. I mean, East Enders, if it's kicking off down the Vic, if it was in the East End for real, you would be hearing swear words. Don't put them in there for the sake of it, but, you know, if there is a scene which is happening or which would be representing real life, if it was kicking off down the pub, you would be hearing swear words. Justin Dealey, I'm glad your head is all back to normal. Thank you very much. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The clockwise M25 still queuing up towards Junction 16. That's the M40 after an accident earlier. Anti-clockwise is still heavy on the approach to 25 Enfield into the roadworks and really slow still from 19 Watford down to 15 the M4. Still taking just under an hour on that anti-clockwise M25. The... Uh, Lane End Road in High Wycombe is blocked with a spillage of oil at the junction of Progress Road near to the Sands Industrial Estate. A1 busy towards Black Cat southbound, delays into London, Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus, and possible delays on Virgin Trains through the three counties because of vandalism at Stockport, mainly affecting trains in and out of Manchester. I'm James Woolley, BBC Three Counties Radio. James, thank you very much indeed. Right, that's it. Don't forget, go and download the podcast. Uh, if you go to iTunes, type in Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, BBC, it pops up. They're only up there for 30 days at a time, so get them while you can. JBS is up next, from me, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Thursday, and on today's big phone-in, should people who live in the countryside pay less for fuel? Drivers in remote areas could pay less